That's good silence. <laughs> it's enough silence. We don't need all yeah. this silence. Ugh. You know what? It's kind of. It's actually a kind of a blessed silence because it's then followed by us nattering incessantly for two hours. Mm -hmm. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Sneaky Dragon. My name is David Dedrick. And I'm Ian uh, and uh, Boothby, and I'm uh, full of AstraZeneca. You are uh, from A to Z. I am. I've got the full the full deal. Two two weeks ago, you were full of AstraZeneca. I, guess I was. I still am, but yeah. You still you still are. It's still, you can't get rid of it. But I was feeling the full effects of it two weeks ago. You were correct. Yeah, and uh, and I'm uh, two days away from it, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and I've never yeah. So anyway, that's if you hear me in any way make no sense or there's some issues. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Okay. It's right. got right now, I think it's got a 62% uh, effectiveness in preventing podcasts from running smoothly. Wow. Well, that's, you know, that's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I, I know it put you to sleep on the air <laughs> two weeks ago. So we're going to see yeah. how, like, I know we're talking beforehand about like, which we're, we're actually, we're doing it. There's a lot of wonderful factors going into tonight. Yeah. One, we're doing it later than normal. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and so, uh, yeah, we'll see if I stay awake the whole time. We'll see what goes on. <laughs> or if I just start babbling like crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. I haven't already. When I had it, yeah, I went and worked a full day of work and then came home and then, yeah, did the show. So I was kind of, I was kind of zonked. And I really I'd regretted, I think I mentioned the show, I regretted staying my, the whole day at work. I knew I had to go in the morning just to finish some stuff that I had, I was doing, but I really, I could have been spared the rest of the day, but I, I insisted, I insisted on continuing to make money for whatever reason. My, my, <laughs> my desire to earn a salary kept me there. Right. You wouldn't have been able to uh, get paid for like coming home and like recovering from getting the, uh, the shot. No, I could, you... I could have taken a sick day, I guess, but. Would it count it like, is it a sick day or like, I know that they've got to, uh, give you a time, pay time. To get the shot, if you want to get the shot. Oh, is that right? I think, yeah, I think that is the case in Canada. So, you know, uh, you can go and, and do that. So, yeah, you know, we'll know that for the next one that you get, which you Damn will, it, I didn't know, you know? that. I didn't know that because I, I booked a time after work and went after work and then... And I felt fine the evening of. Yes. I felt perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the next day that I, uh -huh. that I got <laughs> hit, hit with a ton of bricks. Yeah. And just kind yeah, of... It doesn't. Uh, I've never had a uh, vaccine uh, affect me in any way. Like it's always like, oh, that was your arm sore? Yeah, tiny bit, I guess. Don't punch me in my arm, obviously. <laughs> so you, do you get the flu vaccine regularly then? Yeah, I get the flu vaccine. I okay. got the shingles vaccine. Both mm, of the shots. For sure, that. sure. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I've never had. I've had booster shots for things. Uh, I guess. Mm. I guess technically we should get tetanus at some point. Yeah, um, I, I've had my booster shot for tetanus. Just because I work around a lot of steel, that's that's very po right. po pokey and pointy. And you like to, you know, you guys like to throw around, you know, sharp metal at each other for fun sure, and whatever. Sure, that's right. You know. we are, yeah, we're also knife throwers, and we work yeah. for a garage door company. Yeah, yeah. Before you started playing spike ball, you guys thought it involved actual spikes. We thought, it was, yeah, that's right. So we just incorporated that into our. We just, yeah, we're yeah. we're trying to hit each other with maces. Let me let me throw this out there. 
the idea, like, uh, if you want to play spike ball, mm-hmm. you, you, you all play spike ball, but you all cosplay as Spike from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. Oh, is that right? Okay. My skin's too sensitive. I can't, I can't. I can't bleach my hair. Oh, it, okay. It just causes right. it causes my skin to bubble off of my scalp. So. Okay. I can't. I'm I can't do it. If there's any other famous spikes in uh, there, must be. I, I guess I could wear a fake. Uh, I could just wear a fake, uh, like a wig that. Uh, yeah, there must be like an emulates. episode where he wears a where he wears a hoodie or something, like where he's covering himself sure. up to sure. to cover himself up from the sun. There must yeah. be one of those. Yeah, you, you'll 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 find what it is. Or maybe I could um, just play as William the Bloody. Yeah, there you go. Well, he still had the. Oh, that's right. It's kind of a poncy. He, he had brown hair. Know. He had brown yeah. hair. As well. Yeah. I'm trying to think now if there was a if there's a spike in Super Mario. I think there. I think there is. Yes, there is. I don't. There's a, there's a, he's okay. a chubby little uh, dinosaur, uh, and okay. he throws uh, spiky sticks at people. Okay. You could you could, you could be a spike from. He's a Koopa. So you could you could be one of those guys. That wouldn't be too hard. No, it's quite easy to dress up as a dinosaur and throw pointed sticks at people. Yeah, and then the other guys with your group, they could uh, be various uh, t- times of Spike's life from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think that would be all right. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fun. That's this is again, it's the AstraZeneca man. But I've... <laughs> <laughs> so so, so you were saying like when did it actually? When did you get the uh oh? Uh, moment when did you realize uh, this was hitting you? Well, yeah, in the morning I didn't feel great, but I still went to work and I thought, oh, I can, I can do, I can handle this, and I went to work. And then I just got progressively worse through the day until the end of the day. I was just like, oh man, if I if I've done anything right in the final part of the day, then it'll just be a miracle. And I was working on like, and we, and I had to, yeah, and that was kind of funny because I had to like race through some orders because I had a meeting at the end of the day, a kind of a what do they call it? A post-mortem sort of meeting where we were discussing a big shipment that had gone out and just, and it was a bit of a, to put it mildly, it was a bit of a shit show, not because of me, but just because I just wasn't given enough time to prepare it. And so it was basically like, I kept thinking to myself, oh, you know, I'm not going to be given the paperwork for this the day the container comes. Like for sure, you know, I'm going to get the paperwork a couple, you know, a week to a couple days before this needs a ship so I can go through all the paperwork and, and write down the loan, the load plan and everything. Cause it was like a hundred and it was a hundred over 140 doors that were, that they wanted to go. We didn't quite ship that many. We shipped about 133, I believe. Um, okay. and that was like packed, you know, tail to end, you know, front to back, a uh, 40 foot container was like eight. It was just packed like this stuff full of doors we didn't even have to put any airbags in to keep anything in place because it was it was like floor to ceiling all the way from front to back of all this all this stuff plus all the steel and everything and all the boxes and so oh, wow. yeah it was super packed and so um yeah i think apparently they contacted the sales guy who deals with them and no problems with the or the shipment everything was great but just he just uh, mentioned that it took them a week to to empty it at where for at the company it went to because it was just it was big they, it ships to alaska this is like a full container yeah. load that goes by barge to alaska and then yeah they just um they just spent their time <laughs> chipping away at it because it was this huge it was crazy the amount of stuff on it but anyway so because i didn't get enough time like so what happened then is the the day the container arrived was the day I was given the paperwork. Oh, okay. So then I had to sit down and like, you know, and so I want to like go through all the paperwork and write down everything that I'll need, you know, so I just write down all the doors that are going, 
all the hardware boxes that are going with the doors, all the every all the you know accompanying hardware, just write it all out. So so I know what what springs are going, what boxes are going. Just so, so I when I'm sorting through it all, then I it's easy for me to like go through and I know I need this many of this, and I know you know you know what I mean. So so I had to write all that out, and it took me about. It took me about half a day to do to do oh, that because wow. okay. it's just a lot of work, and you have to go through the pay, you know you have to go through you know 140 something doors, and you write it down, and then you you know then you count your doors, and then you go back through your paperwork and count to make sure you know that you have the same amount of doors written down as you have in your paperwork, and then you have to go through and and then you know everything has to like tally from that right, so you have this many boxes, and you have this much track, and you have this much everything, so I just you know it took me a long time to do that, and then. I still had doors that weren't completed yet, like, like you know, orders that weren't completed. So I had to go through, and I think I had to do another. I think I did thirty doors for the rest of the afternoon. Like, just collected all the stuff for them and got got all, all that ready. And that was like besides all the other steel and everything that was laying around throughout the warehouse because it's just such a huge order. It's just like wow. it'll fit here, it'll fit there. Push it in here. So then, so that was just like the first day we had the container. So really, that was, should have been like a loading day because it was supposed to leave on Wednesday. So then on Tuesday, me and another person, we spent like most of the morning collecting all the doors together and then going through and checking all the door that the doors were physically there. And so we had to check all that and everything that we put on, we had to go, we had to stop what we were doing and then check it all off our li- the list just to make sure everything was there. And what was nice though, is that it was all matching, which is very pleasing, right? That it's all, it's all accounted for. And you're not like going, oh, we're missing things and you know, is the, that mean the count's wrong or what? There's no, everything matched. So it was very, that was very good. But, you know, so we're supposed to leave Wednesday. We were still loading like Wednesday morning. We stayed till nine o'clock on Tuesday night. Me and the other guy who were loading it, we'd like spend another four hours after work was over, like finishing off, getting all the track and everything onto it. And that still left us like half of a trailer to still load. But fortunately, like all the little bits were on. So it was kind of simpler. It was just the doors we had to put on the next day. And then, yeah, so... You know, we're still like so. We finished like mid mid afternoon Wednesday. I'm madly going through all the paperwork, filling it out, just going through it all one more time, just to make sure that nothing is left off. And then doing a count uh, for customs of everything that's on it, and then giving that handing that over to to our, our one of our office guys. And then he had to go through and like add up all the weights. And then that goes to someone in the front office, and then they had to do the, the customs paperwork for it. So it's just like, you know, it was just way too little time. So that was basically, so we just had a meeting about that. And so I'm at this meeting, and of course I have this enormous headache. I feel like I'm, I feel like I my body wants to like expunge everything in it from both ends of my body. And I'm just like, you know, at this meeting, making making uh, helpful suggestions. <laughs> Can't wait to get out of here, but here's some ideas I have from this last experience. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a crazy day, and then of course I came home that night, did some stuff around the house, and then and then we did the show, and then <laughs> I dropped off to sleep. So I apologize, but you know it was it was just, it was just like a normal long day, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that you feel like you have the flu, you know, and you're feeling kind of, which I'm sure you're feeling that way. Yesterday you felt that way. Uh, yeah, more like it, it was like uh, I got it in the morning. I guess uh, two days ago. And then uh, it was fine all day. I was like, hey, nothing. And I thought, I'm fine. Yeah. But there yeah. we go. We're fine. But I, but I did prepare for it. I was like, okay, I've got, I've got the food I need. I've got stuff prepared. I've got, uh, I got stuff to watch. You know, if I can't do anything, you know, I'm going to make sure that everything's ready for, the, you know, I got all the cat's medicine out to give it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> like, all right, I'm ready. So yeah, I yeah. don't have to make decisions and yeah. important things. 
And then just as night came around, oh boy, yeah, it all just like it all just hit me, mm. and then like everything mm. started to ache, and like it got to the point where. I was like, I don't know if I can make it up the stairs to bed, but like, okay, I think I can. Here we go. Yeah. And then just getting into bed, just the idea of like rolling over on my side was ridiculous. It was just like, well, this is impossible. Nope. Nope. This is just too painful. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's both hot and cold at the same time. Mm. Uh, and then at one point during the night, uh, like the blanket had kind of got off me and uh, there was a gentle breeze. <laughs> this gentle breeze just brushed my arm and I almost screamed. <laughs> wow. It hurt wow. so much. Yeah, it was just this, this real, like, it was just, oh, it was just like being beat up. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and I was trying to avoid taking any painkillers because I'd heard, like, you know, don't take stuff beforehand. I'm like, you know what? Probably shouldn't mess around with this. Yeah. Uh, mm, I'll be fine. And so, yeah, but I, I, I I got, you know, made a couple of minutes of sleep and then I was like, I should just go downstairs and just watch videos. So I just went downstairs <laughs> and watched cooking videos uh, for like hours and hours and hours and yeah, hours. Yeah. So, you know, that's fine. And then, yeah, the next day, no, I'm fine. And then like a couple hours later, oh boy. And then I was just completely exhausted. But I had to do uh, the Critical Hit Show live on, on video. <laughs> so I, I, I did that. Now, I was fine with that. And that show's like, Two and a half hours. Yeah, and yeah. and you know I, I could I, I turned on you know that performing mindset. Sure. And like there's the energy. Here we go. Here's joke, joke, joke. And then uh, at the end of it, like, well, I guess I'm done. Oh shit, I'm done. I'm really out. And uh, and and yeah, I was just like really super exhausted immediately after that. Then this morning wasn't too wasn't too bad, and throughout throughout the day, it's gotten better. So I'm I'm uh, a little a little bit oof right now. Yeah. Uh, I made uh, I made ice cream today. I made uh, <laughs> a chicken carbonara. <laughs> uh, I did things that people should do. I think I bought a lawnmower for some reason. Uh, so yeah, I think I'm okay. I think I'm no, that's good. Okay. That's good. Yeah, for me it was just the one day that I, I. But the next day, like the Friday, that was the Thursday was the day I felt terrible, and then Friday I woke up and I felt just fine. And I went to work, and I know Eve wrote to me, and she's like, you're at work? <laughs> Just because she saw me the day, night before, but I was like, no, I feel fine, don't worry. Just... Yeah, here's here's the rumors that I've heard. One, I've heard, like, um, the for the AstraZeneca, uh, the first dose you get is the one that knocks you on your ass. Okay. And the, se the second dose, not so much. Okay. Second dose. But the opposite is true for the Pfizer. Pfizer, first dose, eh, it's all fine. Second, second dose, kaboom, is what I've heard. Oh, so, it's funny because Mary had no no effects, ill effects from either. Oh, and she had the she had the Pfizer. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, Lisa had the Pfizer as well. All right. And I think I don't know what Eve got, but Eve got her vaccine on Sunday last weekend because she applied as a childcare worker. She could um, apply to to go. Okay, and so, so has Lisa had her second dose yet? No, Lisa's not had her second dose yet. Mary's okay. had her second dose, but Lisa right. was much later than Mary. Well, I'm glad to hear, I'm glad to hear that. And our friend, uh, we had another friend who just got his yeah. uh, Pfizer, so that's good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, if you if you wait, if you don't try and jump the queue like we did, <laughs> we didn't really jump the queue, but you know, if you don't go like the parallel program, then you you're more likely. Well, you to don't get know if uh, you don't know if you would have ended up with the Pfizer or anything. I mean, you could still. That's the thing. You could just end up with the AstraZeneca anyway. Well, that, no, that's true. But I think in the parallel program, you only can get AstraZeneca, whereas with the right. the normal 
stream, you can get one of any one of the three, I guess. Yeah, we definitely we definitely did debate it because we were thinking like, you know, can we hermit up for you know <laughs> x amount of time and and mm-hmm. and get and get through it? Then it just got to the point where like I you know did enough research on it and just went like, okay, it just makes sense to me that you know this will take uh, you know uh, death off the table. It takes uh, going to the hospital off the table for yeah. the moment, you know, pretty much. Yeah. So like, okay, that's those that's pretty good. And then you know the actual uh, you know uh, rates and everything are pretty are pretty good as well. So yeah, okay, we'll do this. And uh, and and yeah, it was it was funny through the whole thing. No matter how bad it got with the you know the shakes and the this and the that and the fever, it uh, you know it's just like no regrets. <laughs> this is great. Couldn't be happier. Nah, do it again. Yeah, come on, let's go for it. Yeah, all fine, fine. So. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, would have preferred the Pfizer, the Moderna, but you know, this is uh, this is uh, this is okay. This is okay. I, I'm fine. I, I I have no preference. I'm fine with what I got. So yeah, you don't have brand loyalty. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not married to Pfizer. Yeah, it was interesting being sick, sick for the first time in a year. Mm-hmm. Like you know, mm-hmm. I haven't had a cold or haven't had anything like that. Yeah. Obviously, because you know, been yeah. avoiding everything. There's been this malaise. Where you feel like, oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Oh, what's that? A, is that a thing? <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it was just like, oh, here's the immune system, and, uh, and and coming along. And it was also weird too because like my sister-in-law dropped by today for dinner, yeah. and I was like, oh no, she shouldn't come over because I'm I'm feeling sick. And she might, oh wait, no, it's not real though. <laughs> it's just my body yeah. attacking something and just getting some practice in. Yeah, I was like, okay, fine. My immune system is like this dog that I don't trust, but you know has has kept me safe. But occasionally will bite me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not biting. It'll you, bite but... all. My, it'll bite my hair off, or it'll you know. Oh, it, I see. It, it'll give me psoriasis. Mm. You know, it'll do something. You know, that's, that's right. like too extreme because it's like, oh. Uh, but then you know it uh, it uh, takes care of me in other ways, and the, and and you know taking. Taking this vaccine was basically like letting it off the leash and just going go nuts. I'm like okay, yeah. So yeah. I guess the AstraZeneca is sort of a traditional vaccine, whereas the Pfizer and Moderna are are different in how they how they work, right? So because they don't they have something to do with like RNA or something like that? So they're mRNA. Oh wait, I don't think I don't think the AstraZeneca is an mRNA. No, it's not. It's a more traditional style of, of vaccine. Yeah. That's why you. That's why you get the flu. That's why you get fluey feeling from it. Is because it's doing what no, normal vaccines do, which is introducing the a lighter form of the disease into your body, so that your body will fight it and and develop it. Yeah, it's it's something it's something similar that isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So that it, it goes like okay, ne- what, next time I see something like this, yeah, that is wearing the same hat, I will attack this guy with the hat. Yeah, but yeah. you know, yeah, it's not—it's uh, not a dangerous guy with a hat. It's just uh, you see the hat. So yeah, good. That's that's fine. And again, it's really hard to complain about anything when there's places in the world that are like suffering so much right now with this. So oh my god! Yeah, like, like, okay. Look at India right just now. Like, it's crazy. Sweet, sweet, yeah, sweet lord. Uh, it's just like. But it's the same thing that? here, you know. Like, like, India had all those farmers protests, and now they've had this huge outbreak, and not just that, but also they it's political season there too so they've had all these outdoor rallies and stuff like that with you know unsafe 
uh, things. But if you look here in beast in like the Vancouver area, if you look at the hot spots, it's where we also had the protests, protesting the 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 farm situation in India. That's where the hotspots are here as well. So Abbotsford, so Surrey. Um, so yeah, it says people. If you want, if you gather together, you will get sick. So stop yeah. it, stop yeah. it. Uh, uh, I know you're mad about farms in another country, but <laughs> calm down, everyone. Keep safe. So yeah, just keep keep safe. Yeah, you don't have to calm down. You can be mad as you want. But you just gotta still be safe. <laughs> well, I'm just being. Virus doesn't care. Be be. Yeah. Ma- you can be mad, but don't be foolish. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. We're it's it's we're in a weird time. We're in a weird time. We're in a pandemic time. It's gonna be odd in the future looking back and just going, that was a pandemic. That was a real <laughs> pandemic. And what you don't realize is you've got stuff to do, so you can't fully commit to the pandemic. You would think like, oh, whenever you see like a movie. And there's a disaster, and the robots have taken over. Yes. Uh, by the way, there's a very good uh, robots taken over movie on uh, Netflix right now. Mitchell's versus the machines. So you should see that. It's okay. Very good. Okay. Um, Starring David uh, Mitchell from Mitchell and Webb. Uh, not David Mitchell, no, but it's done by the folks who uh, did uh, uh, Into the Spider Verse. Okay. And uh, uh, but uh, but you think like okay, so the Terminators have taken over. That's yeah. going to be my full time you know, attention getter, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to be always thinking, where's the Terminators? I've got to fight the Terminators. i got to get some rest and wake up and fight the Terminators. Yeah. But it's like, imagine you also had a day job. Yeah, and right. it's like, I also got to go to the mall. Yeah. And it's my shift at the Orange Julius. Sure. And yes, 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 the Terminators. <laughs> but I still got to work. Oh man, I got like, like, to go to the store and get some bread later on today. But Yeah, fight hope, the Terminators. Hope I don't run into any Terminators. Yeah, I've still got rent. <laughs> I've still got <laughs> dental work to deal with. Yeah. So I got to like deal with shit. You know, I got other things on my plate. Mm-hmm. You know, my friends are getting married. I know Terminators, <laughs> but my friends are getting married. So, you know, you got yeah. to deal with that. What am I going to get my wife for her anniversary? I don't know. I know Terminators, but dude, that doesn't matter. I've still got to get a gift. <laughs> You know, right. you tell your wife you could. You tell your wife you couldn't go get a gift because of Terminators. Right, she's got Terminator problems too. <laughs> right, it's like oh yeah, we're all Terminator up, buddy. <laughs> exactly. So so there. That's that's basically what it is. It's like you got to deal with you know this global crazy freaking mm-hmm. thing, and you know monkeypox, and yet eh, no, you still got to do shit. I don't. To me, it's a good analogy, I guess. But Terminators seem more dangerous than. Than just uh, you know, a disease. But I mean, it's dangerous. Okay, of course, but... all right. So, what would you compare it to? Oh, no, I'm just I'm not going to compare it to anything. I just, I just, you know, I did, I like the analogy. I said it's a good analogy. Okay, just, good. Thanks. But I think it's a, uh, you know, just I'm still I'm more scared of terminators than I am of uh, coronavirus. I don't know. You know, it's uh, <laughs> you, uh, there must be a certain point though where you get you know you're used to it and you get kind of bored. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're right. You're right. It would you. It's hard to imagine that, but you're right. Eventually, you just sort of learn, like, you know, oh, don't go down that way. And they're, Why? Oh, Terminators. And be like, oh, okay, I'll go the other way. Yeah, that's a better way to go. I mean, when you when you see, I mean, listen, I don't want to compare it too much to real life, but when when you, when you hear people talking about war stories, yeah, you know, there's a lot of fear, uh, and then a lot of boredom. Yeah, and then a yeah. lot of fear, and then a lot of boredom. Mm-hmm. And it's like they must have like the the bored moments. 
yeah. in the Terminator world. So it's as like well. people living in London during the Blitz, you know. So they're constantly being bombed, but you just you got on with it, you know. You just lived your life, and and yeah, occasionally you or someone you knew would get blown up, but but uh, you just that was how what it was. That's what that's what you know. It's kind of like being in England when we were in England. I think in two thousand. 2000 we were there sometime around that time and there was a ira bombing of a nightclub in england mm. and you're like well i guess you know it, it was news but it wasn't like people weren't like oh my god you know they're just kind of like well they're at it again you know <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like well, that's sort of weird attitude but i guess if that's just what you grew up with is that's a uh, one of the threats that in your life you might get hit by a bus or blown up by by terrorists you know then that you just got to deal with that you know you can't spend your whole life fretting about it i suppose otherwise you yeah, know, I mean, you'll people, never get anything done people you know there's all well first of all i mean i i i want two things i want to go one just reminds me of like when i was in london and walking around and there's like a build you know you see sometimes buildings that were blown up during the blitz mm. and they're still there mm-hmm. and uh, and the funny thing to is to say to someone from london is when are you guys get around to cleaning that up come on tick tock <laughs> sure, they, yeah. sure they love that i'm sure they I mean, love that joke Clean, yeah. clean it up. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, listen, the Nazis were bad, but this is lazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's still, come on, pick up a brick. Anyway, um, that's, yeah, they don't, uh, some, some like it, some don't. Um, <laughs> See, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to guess at a percentage on either side of it. You got to pick your targets. Sure, yeah. You got to yeah. pick your targets. For Just sure. like, you know, I, the Nazis did. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, a long story short, uh, England won the war, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> we can laugh about it now. We can laugh about it now. But it's, uh, it reminds me, though, uh, you know, that kind of tension thing is uh, people that uh, miss New York back when you get mugged. Like, that yeah, yeah. more dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think, like, when I was at, when I was at visiting New York for the first time, I was so hyper-aware mm. of, like, oh, geez, oh, geez. And, yeah, the, one of the first things I saw was like, you know, someone, you know, getting robbed. And it was like, oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah, there you go. You, you live with it. You mm-hmm. know, locals, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, what am I going to do, not go to the store? <laughs> of course. I'm going to go. Yeah, did you ever get mugged? Yeah, there was a guy once who took my money. and Yeah. 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 It's a pain. <laughs> How do you leave the house? I'm like, mm, you just do. Yeah, I'm thinking of Paris as well, where, you know, all the all the there's no garbage cans on the streets there that they, they just have clear plastic um garbage bags hanging from these sort of special hoops mm-hmm. not so that uh bombs can't be left in garbage cans which i guess was common in the past right and it's kind of yeah it's just kind of weird there's some, something we don't live with here we don't we don't have to worry about that yet people putting no. bombs into receptacles and things and yeah i guess you know no matter where you are no matter how horrible it is or how great it is you know you just you get on with it. Yeah, we had, uh, I, I have like a very, one of my first memories is my dad complaining about the FLQ in uh, okay, yeah, Quebec. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, then martial law came in. Uh, but again, I'm just a kid, so what, what do I know? But I, I was just, they were the bad guys, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and then later, like, I kind of grew up and like, what was their deal? Uh, they were here for like a few seconds, and that was the end of that. <laughs> Like okay, and I like how later on in um, uh, Marvel Comics, when John Byrne needed villains, he would bring back the FLQ. <laughs> I'm like okay, yes, it's like four guys. I mean, I know they killed someone, but yeah, 
It's kind of a kind of limited movement. There wasn't like a bunch. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be able to fight Wolverine. Yeah, I think I think Wolverine's winning that fight. <laughs> They, 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 weren't at, they weren't at Bader-Meinhof uh, levels of, of mayhem. And to be fair, I think they were fighting Sasquatch. You know, they weren't fighting Wolverine. But <laughs> even, even Sasquatch. Huh. By that I mean the superhero Sasquatch, not the actual not Sasquatch. Not the actual Sasquatch, yes. Yeah, don't get me. Don't get him confused with the actual Sasquatch. <laughs> Who doesn't exist. Well, well, all right, fair enough. You know what? If you thought he did exist, we'd, we'd get more listeners to this podcast. Unlike Sasquatch, who, of course, everyone knows, lives here in the Pacific Northwest. Sure. He and many many more like him or, and or her traipsing merrily about the woods here, all over the place. And you see so much of them. Wherever you go, you'll see Bigfoot settlements or their footprints, you know, hither and thither. Yeah, and they've never left any DNA behind, which is pretty amazing for such a hairy beast. Also, I, I think you mean to say there's tons of DNA evidence for them all over, but it has been suppressed by the government who doesn't want to, anyone to know about it. So so what, that's that, what you meant to say. What I mean then to say, if this is the scenario, <laughs> that means that there are government agents yeah. whose only job mm-hmm. is to go through the woods yeah. and pick up Sasquatch shit. You make, you make it sound like it's ridiculous. This is the only job they have mm-hmm. is like to go, oh, I pooped again. Yeah. Okay, where is it? And they got to take out their, you know, bag like the, with a the dog, and they got to scoop it all up. Yeah. And they got to like take it away. <laughs> that's a job. And, yeah, it is, and they and that's their that's their cover up. I'm trying to yeah. drum up some some uh, listenership here, and you seem to be uh, uh, cutting out the floor from underneath me. Okay, it sounds a bit like you're brushing your teeth right now. Uh, it could just be my I'm sewing machining my leg. Sorry about that. Oh, that's okay. It's a nervous habit. Nope. nope. No, no, that's absolutely fine. I just want to let you know the sound sounded like, yeah, you know, you're just having a little toothbrush thing, and that's fine. <laughs> no, it's just, I don't. Do you do that sometimes? You just kind of sewing machine. So you know, you just. Do I do? I, sorry, what 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 are you actually doing? I missed that. Oh, I just you know when you like you know kind of move your leg up and down really fast. I don't know what you call it. I just call it sewing sewing machine. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like, uh, no, no. I just scratch because I've got psoriasis. Mm. <laughs> so that takes care of that. All right. Yeah, just nervous energy. When I was a kid, I used to, if I had to talk to adults, I would nervously pick at my shirt I was wearing. Yeah. I would reach over to my left side of my shirt and I would pull it up. And then I would reach to the other side of my shirt and then I would pull it down. And I would do that over and over again while I was talking to adults. And it was a very, it was a weird nervous habit that I had. I was basically just doing something and then undoing it. <laughs> so pull up, pull down, pull up, pull down. I would just do it over and over again while I was talking to. How, how old would you be around? Then? I was a teenager. Okay, here would be a funny gag for you to do. Okay, do sure. If you start doing that, and you pull like your your arms in briefly and just pull your arms out. And then you reach into your sleeve and you pull out a bra. And then you just toss it <laughs> on the couch and go, oh. End of the day, am I right? And <laughs> Let it all hang out. Yeah, you're just like, uh, right? <laughs> That'd be a pretty funny joke for a teenage boy. Sure, it would be great. Mom would yeah. say, where did you get my bra from? Like, oh, I took it from the drawer, Mom. <laughs> I don't have a bra. Hey, get... You've got to go to a discount bra hut for that. You know, you gotta... <laughs> bra barn? Yeah, you gotta you got to find one that would reasonably fit mm-hmm. you for the joke to really work. If it's yeah. your mom's bra... It's less funny because your mom's shocked and all that. No, but if it's just like you know, this one's like, "Oh, Dave was wearing this bra." Get on. When they put yeah, in the when they put in the bra barn, where you, you know, obviously your wholesale bra outlet, there was a misspelling. It was the bra brand, 
It took me a while to notice that because it just looks so similar that it was hard to see. Are you thinking of the Brand Barn? Because that's the health food place. <laughs> I'm not thinking. That was open next to the Bra Barn. Oh, okay, maybe confused. that's why. Maybe I'm getting confused then. Yeah. <laughs> the not bra- enough uh, stores are called the Something Barn. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, you're right. It's, there's not enough. Yeah. I, if there was any, listen, if there was a clothing store and yeah. it, it, it had barn as its second word, yeah. I'd be, that'd be great. What a what a what a low pressure place to shop for pants. Yeah, so it'd be the bra barn, the brand barn, and then the booze barn. Yeah, beside it, you know your outlet, your wholesale outlet for booze. Yep. And then there'd be the the brand barn, and that's where you would go and get like knockoff brand merchandise, br- yeah. branded you know items like you know you know sort of like your whatever Oakley sunglasses and your your uh, Gucci handbags and things like that. Right. That's from the brand barn. And then for anything nautical, the barnacle barn. <laughs> yep. That's good too. Yeah. It's like, you know, you got new sea supplies. Sure. Sure. There. Then it's if, all, it's all in the barn district. And then if you're a farmer, you go to the barn barn. Oh, <laughs> which is just a barn. <laughs> it's a barn. It's, it's a really a waste of having like that. Yeah. What were they, Unless what were they it's thinking? just a barn full of other barns. Yeah. But it's so big that it contains other barns. Huh. Yeah. Oh, that I do like that idea. They're just a just barn town. <laughs> That's a bunch of barn. The barn. The barn district. We we'll just go to the yeah, barn district. Yeah, the barn district. And so you go in there, and they're like, "Listen, man, this is a bad part of town." And you and you go in there, and it's all farmers just wandering the streets with pitchforks, and they're real tough guys. They're like in gangs, yeah. farmer gangs. Sure. You know, and they're like leaning against haystacks, and they're picking just their like, teeth with know, straw. Yeah, and they said, like, you just walk by and they go, stop looking at my daughter. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't know where your daughter is. You keep walking. I'm like, all right, I'll keep walking. And uh, the most dangerous time to go there is early in the morning because that's when they're all up. You can go there late at night. It's one place that's <laughs> yeah, safe to go late at night because yeah. they're all asleep. Sure. But, like, if you go there at, like, say, four in the morning, oh, man, they are. that's a bad time. Mm-hmm. You got to make sure you're back home by then. But, like, two in the morning, you're safe. Yeah. Two in the morning, you're okay. Sure. Yeah. That's a good idea. I, I'm going to start that up. I'm going to open a music store there, the Band Barn. And if uh, and if you need to distract them, yep. you just point off to the side and go, look, subsidies. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they're very excited about subsidies <laughs> running away. And then they chase after you in those giant uh, threshers. That'd <laughs> <clears throat> be terrifying. That is terrifying. Yeah. Big harvester. Yeah, those... I'm really liking this now. I'm liking the idea of the, the barn district. <laughs> This is good. I'm just going to veer off of this for a second. I just because this is something that was told to me by uh, one of the drivers that comes and picks up for us. But I guess he was delivering some doors to a barn, a dairy, a dairy farm in Abbotsford, and he was like looking at. They had like a big harvester or whatever, like a big combine thing, and he's like, "Like, what is that worth?" Guy's like, "Well, that's about five hundred thousand dollars." He's like, "Okay," and I guess he had like a tractor, and then another thing, and he had four. Like four things that you'd use to like, you know, a tractor, a, you know, the harvester, a combine harvester, and then one other, you know, item like a spreader or something like that. And there were a million dollars just sitting there. <laughs> That's not even the land. This <laughs> equipment you need for it. some of the equipment. I don't know how much more you need, but yeah, it's crazy. I guess the combine harvester for the corn, for silage, for the cattle, and then um, you did have the spreader because you need to like, you need to sp- spray that slurry when spring comes yeah. smell up the neighborhood and then of course the tractor has to pull that stuff around so you need to have that as well and this, you know, it's crazy how much all that stuff is 
once you get into that specialized thing, I guess we have to go to the wholesale barn barn to get that stuff at a good, <laughs> good deal. I, uh, I had an idea for a game. Okay. Maybe it's too early in the show for a game, but, but, I, but I thought you might enjoy this game. Okay. Okay. All right. And the, you, you know that game that's like a five-card Nancy, right? You're familiar with that game? Nope. All right. What you do is they chop up. Uh, this is not that game, but because there's already a Nancy-related game, I'm telling you what this game is. Yeah. The game is, uh, um, yeah, I believe it was uh, Scott Adams. Not Scott Adams. Uh, Scott, who who did uh, uh, inventing comics, reinvented the comics? Scott, Scott McCloud. Scott McCloud. It's like yeah, uh, making comics, all the comics books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott McCloud had a game, and he, he would cut up Nancy comic strips panel by panel. Okay. He would get dealt five panels and have to make the best Nancy comic you could out of these five. Panels. Okay. Interesting. That's a, it's a fun it's a fun game. Cartoonist play. I played it. It is fun. Yeah. Okay. So, but what I'm what I'm uh, doing because I'm also throwing plugs throughout the show now okay is okay. uh because like uh, i've got a comic strip on go comics i do with my wife pia yeah uh called mannequin on the moon yeah but i've taken to reading some of the other comics and i'm enjoying the nancy classics by ernie bushmiller oh aren't so they good what, yeah i have a couple of the what collections I'm, what, yeah. what i'm gonna do is i was thinking because there's a random button you can hit mm. i was thinking i hit a random button i will read you the setups to a nancy comic and okay. you have to tell me what you think the punchline is. okay oh boy okay because you are familiar with nancy comics and the rhythms of nancy sure comics. sure sure and so you might be a good person i'm just going to do five of these for you okay and then we'll see how this goes so we'll, I'm gonna, see, I'm what gonna a, we'll see what a disaster it is yeah i'll see i'll hit random right now yeah okay all right so uh this one is a five paneler that is unusual okay but this so panel number one yep nancy is asleep on a couch Okay. And she's got the three Z's above her head. <laughs> and let me just say, in every panel in this, she is still asleep with Z's over her head. Okay. Okay. There's a happy dog going arf, arf, arf okay. in the first panel. Yeah. Second panel, this dog now has a bell in his mouth and is going clang, clang. Okay. Third panel. Yeah. He has worked his way up to a pot from the kitchen <laughs> and is banging it on the ground. It now says... Bam, bam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? None of these have exclamation marks because Bushmiller is classy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fourth panel. The bell and the pot are now on the ground. Yeah. The dog is smiling and walking away from the couch. What happens in the fifth panel? Uh, The dog is happy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in the final panel, does Nancy wake up? Nancy is still asleep in the final panel. What is the dog doing? So the dog, but the dog has walked away in the fourth panel. That's correct. The dog uh, has barked at Nancy, yeah. has rung a bell, has, a bell. has beat a pot beat on the ground, awesome. yeah, yeah. smiling and walked away, yeah. and is now doing something in the fifth panel. What is the dog doing? He is, um, oh, I don't know. He's, he is playing a, a trumpet outside at seven o'clock, so he's, well, he's saying hooray for the healthcare workers. <laughs> Yes, he is saying thank you to the healthcare worker. <laughs> okay. No, sorry, I'm not going to have to. I'm not be able to give you that one. He's <laughs> eating a box of candy. Ah, he found a box of candy. Okay. He's eating a box of candy. It's on the counter. He was trying to see if Nancy would wake up. She would not wake up. So he's eating a box of candy. Ah. It looks like chocolate, meaning he's dead. <laughs> That's what I'm it's a shame. He seemed yeah. like a good dog, but unfortunately, <laughs> well, he, he, I think too clever uh, for his own good. Is is dead. Okay, so here we go. Uh, p- three paneler. Okay. Oh, Nancy's angry. 
Okay. He's talking to Sluggo. Oh, okay. And, uh, and there are all of these bugs that are in the house, in Sluggo's house. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he lives like a hobo. You know Sluggo lives like a hobo. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and Nancy goes, oh, why don't you put up your screens? Okay. And second panel. Uh, uh, Sluggo is outside of his house holding a screen. He's got two giant screens as well yeah. uh, to his sides. And he goes, this is too much work. Third panel yeah. says later, yeah. Nan- I'll give you this much. Nancy is looking in the window, shocked what is going on in the... In the uh, I guess in Sluggo the has built a little hut inside his living room of screens. Correct. And says, this was easier. <laughs> Love it. And you see in that one that there's even more bugs around and he is really living like a slob. <laughs> okay, here I love, we I go. love Sluggo's house. So, so that's good. So let's go with this. You, you did not get the first one, but you did, in fact, get the second one. Well done. So that, let's see if you can get you. Uh, just a couple more. We've got, uh, we got three more. Um, this is a four-paneler. Um, Sluggo is holding flowers. Nancy is dressed a little bit fancy. She's got her jacket, fancy jacket. Okay. okay. And she's going, for me, Sluggo? And Sluggo goes, no, for dat new Spanish goil. He says goil. Yeah, yeah. Dat. The second panel, I'm waiting till she wakes up from her siesta. Siesta is really big. Yeah, yeah. Nancy says in the third panel, what's a siesta? When you lie down in the middle of the day. Fourth panel, uh, Nancy is walking away. What has happened to Sluggo? Uh, I guess he's laying down with the stars over his head. Absolutely correct. And Nancy's <laughs> fist is uh, throbbing. She has Sluggo. He has a shiner. The flowers are wilted. And she goes, have one yourself. I love Richard it. Appeared March 11th, 1950. Well done, sir. Oh, you're ca- you catching on. You're catching on. Well well played. Okay. Right. Let's say uh, we've got two more. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, Sluggo mm-hmm. is not looking happy right now. Okay. Uh, this is a four paneler. Okay. Uh, I don't know who this other kid is he's talking to, but the kid's a weird old looking guy. Looks like his mom cut his hair with a bowl. He's okay. wearing kind of a beanie cap. Okay. And uh, and and uh, and there's a there's a um, a sandwich board saying feature movie starring Buster Binks. And okay. Buster Binks is a very handsome looking fellow. Sure. Wearing a nice bow tie. He's very sharp. And Sluggo, of course, is looking like a goddamn slob. He's got like a patch on his pants, yes. and he's got his elbow. It's looking especially slobby today. Mm-hmm. And, and and Sluggo says in the first panel, Nancy is crazy about him. And then the other kid, who will never be seen again, says, <laughs> I hear he's in town. That's highlighted this yeah. week. Second panel. Well, Sluggo's walking down the street with his hands in his pockets. Wow, if Nancy hears uh, he's in town, she'll be dizzier than ever. Okay. Third panel. Yeah. We see Nancy. Uh, she's she was walking uh, down the street. Uh, there were three um, uh, flower pots and a windowsill. One has fallen off and hit her in the head, and uh, she's grimacing from the pain. Yes. Two stars are shooting out of her head. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as as she deals with the pain. Yeah. And the fourth panel. Uh, what is happening? Oh. Um... Does, is Sluggo looking from the windowsill where the, the flower pot was? Sluggo is looking at her. He's seeing Nancy as she's walking down the oh, street. Okay, so he's thinking too late. Yeah, let, me, let me read let me oh, okay. the lines. Yeah. Nancy is crazy about him. I hear he's in town this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, if Nancy hears he's in town, she'll be dizzier than ever. Yeah. Hit with the, hit with the flower pot. Fourth so, panel. 
He's just saying, I guess he's she knows that he's here or whatever. Like, she knows, is that it? He's saying she knows. <laughs> her eyes are crossed. Her legs are going both directions. Her eyes are crossed. She clearly has a severe concussion. <laughs> Three out of four. Couldn't so good. Well done, you. One last one, and then All I will right. free you from this torment. Uh, that's fun. Okay, good. Uh, so Sluggo is in the bank. What's that guy doing in the bank? Right? <laughs> he has no money. He's got no money. He's got a patch on his elbow. He's real poor. Uh, <laughs> so, so there's a big stack yeah. of bank calendars and the fr- oh, four panels in this. Okay. Uh, Sluggo's reaching for a bank handler calendar, saying, "I like these bank calendars." And then a guy working at the bank says, "Hey, I hear you've been in here five times today," <laughs> as he's taking a calendar. Yeah. And yeah. Sluggo goes, "Who told you?" And then, uh, and then the guy working at the bank says, Mr. Jones. Okay. So what happens in the fourth panel? Let me again set you up for this. Okay. would like to really tee you up. Okay. I like these bank calendars. Yeah. Hey, I've been here. I hear you've been in here five times today. Yeah. Who told you, Mr. Jones? What does he say to Mr. Jones? We see Mr. Jones. We see Ms. what Mr. Jones's occupation is. And uh, and uh, what does Sluggo say to this uh, fellow? So, what is Mister Jones' occupation? That's the thing. Yeah, that would be that would be part of the gag. Oh, part of the gag. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like these bank calendars. Hey, I hear you've been in five times today. Who told you, Mister Jones? Oh, I don't know. Is Mister Jones a policeman? I'm going to say this one more time. <laughs> who, t- who told you? Yes, Mister Jones. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll give you what Sluggo says. Sluggo looks at the fella. Yeah. Uh, and says, you would, in big letters, that his occupation uh, makes sense when in this context. Oh, I don't know. I'll give up. What is it? Uh, Mr. Jones is uh, in a, behind a window with a big sign above his head saying, tell her. <laughs> so we can't give you that one. No, you can't give me that one, but that's a good. Jones, that's a good. So that's great. That's three out of five. Yeah. That's great. Who told you to tell her? Yeah. Those are, those are like... When I was a kid, when I was a kid, like, we had Nancy in the Vancouver Sun. Okay. And I was, I don't know, through some sort of cultural osmosis, I knew that Nancy was terrible and that we shouldn't like it. Oh, okay. And I don't know what, how I knew that, but I, it feels like I just knew that Nancy was a no-good comic strip. But I remember at the time thinking, I don't understand why this is so... Why no one likes this comic strip? Because it's actually really good. Like it's a really, mm. like funny, well put together strip. Like I, it was probably my second favorite in the paper at that time. And this is kind of this was you know during like I obviously liked uh, Charlie Brown the most. And uh, and actually the Sun didn't have a lot of my favorite comics in it. So, um, but that was I just thought Nancy was great. But I, I it's weird like because it wasn't cool. I guess that's the thing. Like that's it. It's fun. It can be funny. Yeah. It's just not cool. Like growing. It's up. like it's like a, it's like a sitcoms. Yeah. You know, for the most part, you know, they're you know, are they cool? No, but they're funny. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. fun. They're yeah. funny. It's fun. But growing up, like I, you know, I've made a point through my life since I was a teenager with some pocket money, of like buying Mad Magazine paperbacks and Charlie Brown collections and BC collections and Wizard of Id, and. What else have I collected? Um, Doonesbury and Andy Cap. <laughs> and just, you know, whatever whatever I liked, I collected those com- comics in paperback, paper, 
back form. I just I I've always liked those. And Beetle Bailey would be another example. Okay. High and High and Lois, stuff like that, right? Things that I I found over time and liked. But I've never found a Nancy collection like that, like a p- old paperback collection. Oh, that's weird. You know, and I and seriously, I mean, I I have ones that are like I don't even remember her name now. She's she's a maid. Like these are from the fifties. I can't remember the name of the character now, like Harriet or something. But like, it wasn't that. But you yeah. know what I mean. But oh, what can I think of her name now? Anyway, those were like those are ones I found like that are old. You know, like that weren't in my paper when I grew up. I just found those books, and like, or Barnaby and stuff like that, right? Right. And are you thinking Hazel? Sorry, was I say that again? Are you thinking Hazel? Hazel, that's the one. Yes, thank you. Right, it's your wife's name backwards. <laughs> yes, right. That's why I couldn't think of it. Hey, next time you will be able to because of that. I'm very forward thinking. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so, but you know, it's just weird to me that a a strip as long lived and as successful as Nancy has just never had like the level of of popularity that it warranted a paperback collection. Hmm. You know, like I can understand why there's no Fred Bassett collections or whatever, but I'm sure there are. <laughs> There might I'm be. Sure that's the kind of thing you get for your uh, dad in England. Maybe in England there are, but here you—I've never seen them here, right? Like, you know, and like, like I say, I mean, I have spent many an hour of my life, many hours of my life, like going combing through like thrift store book sections and stuff, and I've always made a point, you know, especially in the old days when it was they were real cheap, of buying, you know, the paperback syndicate syndicated collections and stuff like that and seriously i have never i mean they i'm sure they exist but i've just never seen one i've never oh. come across them in my in my whole entire life all right well listen anyone who's out there who spots a spots one <laughs> take a picture of it yeah please you want to want to see it or just get it for dave you got his address on the website <laughs> send it send to him. it's a good uh, it's a good present for him like i have That's interesting i have those fanographic collections right because i you know i love those Although they're really awkward to, to shelve because they're square, so stupid. But uh, I, yeah, I just I've just never seen, you know. Like I mean, I mean, I, if Scott, I was just thinking now, was it Scott McCloud or Mark Newgarden who created that five card Nancy? Was it Scott McCloud? It just feels like Mark Newgarden was like the. the oh, this could be. He yeah, was yeah, the yeah. he was the Nancy expert when I was like you know there's that. Yeah, you might be. Uh, you might be right. It might have been. Uh, Scott that introduced me to it. Mm, mm. Uh, but uh, there we are. Uh, no, it's on scottmcleod.com. We've got five card Nancy. Okay, cool. Is cool. there. Maybe it was invented. Uh, but yeah, he's got all the. the uh, yeah, actually, we've, we've got all the instructions there as well. I'm going to send you a link sure. to this that we can put up on our site. Uh, there we go. That'd be cool. That's, that's how that's going to go down. And so, I'll tell you that much for free. Yeah, like I have the Mark Newgarden book, which is like a collection of the more kind of. Um, abstract Nancy things, and then has his his famous essay, "How to Read oh, Nancy." Uh, how to read? It's a How to Read Nancy. Yeah, yeah. Is that his book? Yes, yes. And it has this famous essay where he kind of like does this forensic autopsy of this comic strip where she and Sluggo are playing uh, like a game with guns, and then she she has a, a garden hose in her holster, and you know it just shows like how the gag builds and everything, and, and uh, you know it's just. It's one of those things where you're kind of like, well, you know, it's obviously done in a sort of tongue-in-cheek way to be really overly serious about Nancy. But at the same time, he really, really appreciated those comic strips, you know. Right. Well, to me, I think like where I first started to get that, hey, you know what, maybe this is good, is um, with Zippy, when he he started to do the stuff about the three rocks. Okay, okay. Do you remember that? I don't. I don't remember that. Yeah. Uh, It was a 
uh, it was like uh, where Zippy would walk by these three rocks and just go like, oh, yeah, yeah, just like a Nancy. And like whenever um, Ernie Bushmiller had to draw, like, you know, draw, he would always have something in the background. Yeah. And often it would be three rocks. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so, so Zippy uh, found these very soothing, these three rocks. Mm. Mm. That uh, that were uh, and it was a his homage to uh, to Nancy. And they're like, oh, this, they're being cool with uh, with this. Uh, but yeah, and I, I remember like uh, we're you know that's the thing like when you're sort of becoming uh, comically aware, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you you get to really love certain things like you're like, oh, I really love SCTV. Like yeah. SCTV is the best. Uh, there we go. Sorry, I just sent that to you. Uh, and uh, what do I don't like? What don't I like? Okay, well, it's this corny Green Acres. Yeah, I don't like Green Acres because that's a hick show. And then later you watch Green Acres and go, that show's weird. It's dark. <laughs> yeah, I like Green Acres. I was going to say, I like Green Acres. Yeah, Green Acres is, has something to it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, it's kind of repetitive. and you, Once you get it, you get it. But it's... Uh... But you know, for what it is, it's uh, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to remember the universe they're connected to. I know they're Petticoat, to Petticoat Junction. Hill. Yeah, Green Acres, Petticoat Junction, and Beverly Hillbillies. They all exist, exist in the same universe. That's right. Is that? I didn't realize yeah, Beverly Hillbillies were the, part of that. Hmm. Yeah, they were the Marvel comics of, uh, of their day, <laughs> or Marvel movies. The yeah. MCU of their. Yeah, they would occasionally do the crossovers. I think Jethro showed up in uh, in like Green Acres. I think at some point. And uh, why am I thinking like that? Uh, Jim Neighbors did as well. Huh? I'm not sure. Anyway, so the Andy, uh, the Andy Griffith show was also part of it. No, Andy Griffith is realistic. But the, <laughs> it was it was it was a realistic yes. show, like sure, you know. Sure. But Green Acres, uh, Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, and, they're just uh, fantasies. Yeah. Crazy shit could happen in yeah. those in those wacky worlds. Yeah, they're fantasies. Yeah. No, uh, Andy Griffith connects to Mayberry, RFD, and I don't know if it connects to anything else. Gomer Pyle. Wait, Gomer yes. Pyle, yeah. Gomer Pyle, yes, of course. So, uh, yeah, then we got three shows out of that one. Mm, part of that. that. So maybe uh, maybe they're also part of the Dick Van Dyke universe. Oh. Because all those shows were produced by Sheldon Leonard. Okay. Who you know best as... Out the door or through the window, but later on he became a producer of of TV shows, and he produced the Dick Van Dyke Show and Andy Griffith Show and other things. Nice. Yes. Hey, hey guys, we both had uh, shots, and so uh, <laughs> we're not just having flashbacks to old uh, uh, old sitcoms. We we are and we aren't. We'll be back to uh, talking about old chocolate bars <laughs> soon. <laughs> That is... We're not. Listen, man. I'm not fully on my game right now. This is about the best I can do. I'm. I, I swear to everyone who's listening. I bless you for listening. I am trying my best <laughs> to be a functioning person. <laughs> I really, really am. I wish. I, I wish I you know, was yeah. fresher. But, but this is as good as I can get right now. So I'm doing my best for you. Okay. Here we go. I. Here you're, we go. You're doing great. You're doing great. Thanks. You're doing Thanks. great. Okay. Good. 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 <laughs> you're keeping it lively. Uh, thanks so much. I really do. Uh, really do appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good that's good um today we uh we went um out for dinner at a at a fancy restaurant we sat on the patio of this fancy restaurant okay. it's a in vancouver at queen elizabeth park so oh it has, nice so it has a beautiful view over the park out and in, in, down into the city it's very nice but as i was leaving was it, what's her, sorry 
was going to go, was there a special occasion to... to hey, yeah, Eve, Eve graduated from university. So, yes, she's, she's officially, officially finished university. And by that, I mean she's going back to university. So, because she wants to... Um, she has plans either to pursue a master's program or sit her LSATs and uh, go for a law degree. Oh, that's great. So she has not decided on, on which course she want, she's going to take. And she, she was asking for suggestions at dinner tonight. And, and I said, well, I said, I really, I said, you know, I said, the way I was raised, and I'm not saying that I was raised well, I was raised so that I always was too embarrassed to say what I actually wanted to do with my life. And so I think, I said, I think that you know what you want to do and I hope that you're able to say it and she's like no that's a problem I have no idea what I want to do with my life so I'm like okay she said I have a thousand ideas but I don't I don't know what I really want to do so it is weird like so how old is she right now is that she is 23 okay uh it's it's weird just thinking of myself at that age and going like that person should make lifelong decisions for me as an adult like it, that seems very. I know it seems, it's, it's like technically, <laughs> but, adult, but you don't. I but don't like. But, yeah. but would you want your mom and dad making lifelong decisions for you? No. No, you uh, don't. Like you, I. You know, I think that even I don't if, know if I want them making decisions for themselves. <laughs> well, that's yes, that's true. Uh, I just feel like I think that I think even if she's not sure exactly what she wants to do, I feel like she knows kind of what she wants out of this you know and so i think that she just you know i think i would be happy with her like going on words into a master's program if that's what she wants to do to sort sure, of sure, to yeah. sort of like you know f- filter out all the other options down to a more more limited set of selections you know or do that with with law school you know and so you know, you can then choose which sort of law you want to pursue, you know, whether it's corporate or, mm-hmm. you know, legal, you know, whether it's, you know, like criminal law or contractual law or whatever, you know, government, like environmental law or something like that, you know. So, and that's totally up, you know, it's totally up to her to do that. But I just don't think that, you know, like, I, I, I honestly don't think that my parents, I, I, they had the, they had their best, they had their best, they had the, like the, you know, the be- they're my my best interest at heart, according to their own lights. But I don't think that what they wanted for me was the best thing for me. If that makes sense to you. Yeah, and probably if their parents had picked their lives, it would not have been what they wanted either. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah exactly. Yeah, things should change over time. I guess I feel like you know, yeah, she she should pursue what she's passionate about mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, you know that doesn't necessarily mean that's what you have to do for your whole life. No, you're right. You're right, and that that's that's exactly that's exactly true as well. I mean, yeah, that's a narr- I mean, that's a, a narrative that we still push forward. Mm-hmm. That's like, well, that's not realistic at all anymore. It isn't. No, <laughs> yeah. you're right. I mean, even in my own life, I've basically changed yeah. jobs every ten years. You know, and moved on to a different thing. Sometimes by choice. Uh, sometimes by by not choice. Yeah, one of my. One of my best friends, she's a, she's a family lawyer right now, but she she decided to be that in her early 40s, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then studied and then got her degree, and there she is. And before then, she was like, like a, she was an opera singer and a jazz singer and yeah. a bouncer sure. and many other things. And then I've got, like, so many friends. And it's not just artsy, artsy friends, yeah. but, like, people who have had, you know, what you would consider, you know, straight jobs, but then 
yeah, jobs change. Like things, the company dried up and went away. And that's, you know, companies get merged and things go away. And then, you know, whatever you thought you were going to do, nope. And uh, here, here you go. No, no, that's that's so, true. And in fact, I was we were talking with like Mary. Um, it's not been accepted into the teaching program, but she's on the wait waiting wait list, which she's very happy with because she felt okay. just because of the nature of you know that she's been living on her own or with like living with her boyfriend, but they've been renting, and so she's been working a full time job for the last few years, and it's been hard for her to like get in that the this kind of school hours to you know through volunteering or whatever to like present. Uh, for her application to go into the teaching program. And so, you know, she's admitted that her, her applications haven't been the strongest, but she's really happy that she's on the wait list for, for um, one of the teaching programs here in the Lower Mainland, one of the, one of the universities. So she's very pleased with that. And so, but she was saying that uh, teaching programs off, often like to have people come in who are mature students, rather than having 20-year-olds yeah. who want to be teachers, have someone who's in their 30s, or 40s, because they bring life experience with them that's, you know, a more rounded and maybe some wisdom that comes from that too, you know, that they can... Well, you're, even, if, if, even if you're not wise, um, <laughs> you, you come in with a different attitude, I think. But I mean... Then, you know, why are you yeah. taking this? Because I've got to. You've got to go to college. I've got to yeah. be here. You know, whereas you really you choose to do it if you're sure. in your thirties. Yeah. You know, you you're, you're there because you want to be, not because you're obligated to be mm -hmm. uh, or pressured to be. Yeah. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Not go to college? <laughs> but then you'll die. Yeah. You'll explode if you didn't go. If you don't go to school. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you're gonna die. That's basically what I was told. <laughs> yeah, I got the same kind of story from my from my family as well. But then when I went to school, the amount of the amount of grief I got for going to university was was. Uh, too much to bear so mm -hmm. it was just kind of this weird contradictory contradictory idea of like who gave you the, sorry who gave you grief did they give you grief my parents oh yeah yeah grief why and, they give you grief? and total disinterest uh because i think i don't think they would want to they would admit it but i think they were jealous that i was doing, okay. something, doing something that maybe they wanted to do when they were younger and didn't have the opportunity because well, life was different then you were better than that than that sort of stuff You're, oh yes that is always my mom has always had a very competitive view of me Huh. For sure, you know, like one of her favorite things to say is, "Oh, David, you think you're so smart," which isn't true because I was never taught to think I was smart. So oh, I never. Okay. You, you, I never you are, by the way. I never. You are. You are smart. You're very smart. <laughs> Thank you. But I was. But I. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't. Just, I wasn't brought up that way to think of myself that way. You know, so I didn't actually think of myself as smart. So when she would say that to me, I'd be like, "Well." No, <laughs> I don't think I'm that smart, but okay. Yeah, I don't I didn't realize think, I don't it was a competition. Think, yeah, I don't know if my parents thought I was smart either. I think they were worried I might have been simple um, just at some times, just because they didn't get, get things. Yeah, later parents, on, they, parents oh, oh, they, they kind of clued in oh, when the rest of the world caught up. That's good. That's good. No, I think, I think um, yeah, I think I was a disappointment to my parents. But I think there was also some resentment from, from, from my mom. Which is an understandable feeling sometimes that the firstborn <laughs> is such a life changer that there can be some resentment there sometimes to, to how how much you know. And I was I was a real. It's not my fault. My mom couldn't produce enough milk for me as a baby, Whoa. so I was a very cryy yeah. baby that she didn't. But because she was living on her own without like family around her, it was just like this kind of very tense situation, I guess, for her at that time. Would she supplement it with, uh, you know? I guess eventually she went to the doctors and and he said, yeah, "Well, yeah, this yeah, is the yeah, problem." Yeah. But, okay. 
But you know, initially you're like, well, babies cry, and this baby's crying a lot. This is really terrible. <laughs> Why wish this well, baby would start crying? Like, and then, yeah. you know, if you were if you were in a movie, this would be uh, symbolism. <laughs> oh, your mother didn't have enough to give. Yeah, there you go. She just didn't have enough in her to give. And that's emotions, and that's physical, and that's all the things. She yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like not her fault, but that's all she that's all she had. It's just such a weird idea of just like imagine and like you know you've had two newborn babies in your arms, and just think of like the first mm. time that you saw your daughters in your arms. You're holding your daughter, and just thinking like, what would it take for that child to be a disappointment? <laughs> like. Yes. It's ridiculous. Mass right? murder, that'd that be about it. Like, and even then you just go, <laughs> well, something I probably did. But like it's not it's not disappointing. Yeah. Horrified, maybe, maybe horrified. That's something. Which is such a weird thing, like yeah. disappointment. Mm-hmm. Like what the fuck expectations did you have for this? Not <laughs> <laughs> oh, your strange. job to be. Uh, no, I, I mean I I I you know, one of my worst memories is like uh, sitting across the let's talk hey we're getting deep now um <laughs> one of my worst memories I, I i'm not sure if i was in junior high school or something but probably around then because it was the worst time and i'm sitting across the uh, dinner table from my dad and uh, we have to give our uh, report cards to him yeah so uh, my sister gives the report card and looks at it and uh says some things it's, it's all right and then like uh, i hand mine over and my mom knows like it's a it's a bad one and then he just he just looks at me and glares and just shakes his head and doesn't talk for the rest of the meal and just like really you know as in like this is so bad that you know no it's not acceptable and like not even worth it we're not we're not even discussing this it's just it was just like i was i was bad yeah i was yeah. a bad person and it's just like, I look back at that and just go, you know, and you think like, because you think of it from your perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And you think of yourself as a human being. And you think of it as yourself as a human being that could do things wrong and could do things where you deserve to be shamed yeah. and all this kind of stuff. But sometimes then I like to like flip the camera and just think like, hey, there was a boy there. There was just a boy. There was a young boy yeah. there. And, and that boy's getting that. And you just want to just like, you know, slap, slap that upside the head and go, fuck, what the fuck? Like, you know, yeah, it's a that. You don't do that to a person, to a human being. Yeah. You don't do that. Jeez. And it, again, it still weighs on me. Like that, like, it's just like, it's, 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 it's a heavy, it's a heavy part of my heart. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, you know, my dad's been gone now for like 21 years and oh. I still think of that as one of the first memories when I think about him. Yeah. And it's like, that's just shitty. No. That's shitty and dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's so... You know? And you, should, and you shouldn't feel like in any way that you're a disappointment. Like, that's just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> if you're a disappointment, then the scale is incorrect. <laughs> right? That's well, that's what I... I've always felt that, that way, too. Like... Like yeah, I, it's like then, then, then that's a fucking alligator weighing a feather <laughs> and a heart, and it's just like let's get out of ancient Egypt because this is bullshit. Fuck you, know, you guys. I know it's weird. My mom, my mom has trouble with. Um, I noticed this with the girls as well. Like she was such a good grandma when the girls were little, when they were little girls. Yeah. But once they became teenagers and started having their own opinions and stuff like that, my mom, my mom grew more distant from them. You know, and partly it was them. You know, they grew more distant because they were teenagers, and you know grandma sure, sure. you know that's just a natural part of life but my mom can't yeah, deal yeah. my mom has trouble dealing with that you know and that maybe is you know her own kind of own sort of 
issues with maybe rejection and stuff like that. But rather than accept that as part of like kids growing up, she like cut the girls off out of her life in a way, you know? And so like, you can't, you can't do that. You know, like you can't, you can't like only want to be involved with someone when they, they're pleasing to you. But once, once that's over, then you just give, you just, you know, throw in the towel and just forget about it. Like, that's not how it works. You know, like, you know, you just, you take the good with, you take the good and take the bad and then something else, that's the facts of life or something. So, you know, she just didn't, she did the same thing with, with us as kids, I think. And we had, you know, we were all boys. So she had some, she had some issues with us even when we were little, but when we were teenagers, you know, and I was, I was a good kid. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I did bad things obviously, but I, you know, like I never, and, and, you know, as a teenager, I never drank. I never smoked. I never took drugs. You know, I like, I never stole. I never get in trouble from the police. I never stole a car or went, you know what I mean? Like I was just a, a good kid. I was one you could trust, you know, I didn't, I had no curfew. I could come home at three in the morning and I never like, I never, you know, uh, st- stretched, you know, like tried to like get away with something. You know, I was just like, I just, you know, I just did my thing. Was I a stellar student? No, I wasn't. Was there a reason for that? Yes, there was, which my mom knew and she just ignored. And so rather than like go, you know, school isn't providing you with what you need. She would just get upset when I would come home with a, with poor marks and my, my, and my report card was never like a disaster. You know, what I liked, I did well in. And what I didn't like, I didn't do well in. That was how it worked. So, you know, it was like socials, English, gym, band, art, all high marks. Science and math, not so great. Because I didn't really like them very much. And I just didn't see the point of spending a lot of time trying to like be better at that stuff that I wasn't interested in. And so, you know, but my mom, you know, her takeaway from all of my all of my report cards and all of the meetings with teachers was David could do better. You know, that was what you would come home and say, I heard, talk to your teachers. They said, you could do better. I'm like, Hey, I'm doing great. I'm doing well enough. Like, geez, let's not. Yeah. You know, you know what you could take? You could also take that as a compliment. You could take yeah, that as like, yeah. they think, you know, they think you have more potential than this. But my mom could see it that way. She can see that way. Yeah, at all. That's a positive. And she did like, you know, there's, but she also didn't come home and say, you know what your teacher said about you? He said you could do better. And I said to him, David tries as hard as he can. You know, he puts in all the effort he can into school and he does a really good job. You know, you know, like she didn't, doesn't say anything to the teacher. She just has to come home and like bring the teacher's accusations back to me. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just so weird. Like, like, you know, when the girls were in school, I would get mad at their teachers to their teachers. Like if I felt they weren't, you know, being good teachers, they got my, uh, my opinion of what they were doing. You know, and the girls knew how I felt about it. And I never got mad at them when I felt the teacher was unfair to them. I wouldn't take it out on them and be like, well, you got to you got to work harder and make that teacher. No, I'd just be like, you know what? That teacher's a bad teacher. I think, I think it was like always surprising to me the, 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 the times I found out my dad was my advocate or something. OK. Like where, where like someone like say a boss would call up to fire me. OK. And, okay. and he would and he would take the call. Yeah. And you're just like, well, tell him yourself. No, you should tell him. No, I don't want to tell him. You should. <laughs> and like, uh, and 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 would like stand up for me. Yeah. And like, yeah. I hear about this later from my mom or something, and I'd be like, oh, that's weird. This <laughs> is not something you think that would they would they, they would do because it's like it's always like, no, I'm to blame. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. you know, my dad would go like, no, you think you got problems with this guy? You know, <laughs> it's just strange. It's just strange for me. I like the idea that. 
yeah. you're in your uh, daughter's advocate. Like you're on their side. Should it come down to it, you're on mm-hmm. their side. And uh, I don't. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know. I don't know. Maybe he meant well, but maybe. I think there was just so much anger there, that, you know, with his own shit. Yeah, that, it's know, hard. What are you going to do? This is the problem is like uh, if human beings raise kids. Um, <laughs> what? And there's no and manual. So there's, and there's no yeah, manual. So. Yeah, and so there's always a couple of pieces missing from the puzzle. Yeah. Unfortunately, those pieces missing from the puzzle hurt the kids. And like there's nothing you can do. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can see that you're hurting the kids and yeah. you can change. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Sure. Um, unless, of course, part of the pieces that are missing from your puzzle is you can't change. Because, uh, you know, you're told that's weakness or something, something, something. Sure. Or, uh, or just the fact that they're human beings and they're going to have their own problems that no matter what your good intentions are, they're, those problems are something they have to work their way through, you know. So yeah, you can be supportive, you know. You can be a guiding hand, but you cannot be a controlling hand in your kids' lives. Because like it's, feel- it's just not healthy, you know. Yeah. I'm just. I'm sorry that uh, yeah, you take any weight to that. You know, to what your uh, you know. Your you you can't about. help. You can't help it though, right? I mean, and, and you can. And you can. Like especially you can, when you're a kid, you though. Can. Right, right. As a you kid, know. you can't uh, unless you disassociate and just go fuck it. I'm out. And, <laughs> and, and whether you do that physically or you do yeah. that mentally, and you can do that to a degree. I did do that. But like you, you know, I get, I get that. It still does. It weighs, it weighs yeah, heavily. But I mean, I, like I say, I was a good boy, so I did what my parents told me. But to even do. if you weren't a good, even boy, when it was it. contradictory, you don't, to, <laughs> you don't have to be a good boy to deserve love. Like the things that you're listing there, just yeah. like I never stole anything. Yeah. So what if you did? So what if you did? I'm just saying that there was no. So what if you did? But I'm just saying like, there was no reason love, for yeah. You know? There yeah. was no reason for my mom's uh, antipathy for towards me. Yeah, but there is. You know? That's not her. That's her job. Yeah, she should not stop loving you or love you less. Yeah, because no, you, of that kind of thing, sure. or because of you're grade. Right. You're right. For fuck's sake. Yeah. Like that's bananas. <laughs> you know. Again, looking at that little baby. You know, and just going like, yeah, but would you love her if she got bad grades? <laughs> like, of course you would. You love her because she said fire Well, to the you house. you say that, but then wait till those those grades come in. You'd be like, I heard you could do better. Yeah, I heard you. I heard this baby could do better. This baby She's could like, do oh, better. Oh, my stars! She's not walking soon enough. Yeah. The other kids on the street are walking. How come this baby isn't walking? I think that's. Uh, I think that's a thing with like you know when I'm talking to my niece and my nephew is like I've never had a time I think where I've I've been I've been really mad at them. Mm. Like I've never had that time. Like that's also a thing too. My First, my sister yeah. my sister gets gets annoyed with with us. <laughs> yeah, and she and something that she'll say. Is she'll just go, oh, you don't know what they're like. You don't know what they're like. <laughs> I was like, oh no, you're you're right. You're right, I don't. You know, but I have seen them many times over their lives at various stages. Yeah. And, and it's like I've seen them each cry once, you know? Um, so you know, of course I'm not getting the full the full picture. Yeah. But like we have talked about like everything and uh, like a lot of stuff. Like it's just yeah, but I don't. I don't think I really judge them. Like I don't come in and like you know look at their thing. You know they like showing me their stuff. Yeah. Like that's one of the first things. You know like, you want to see my room. Yeah. You know then you go see the room and you like all the things in the room and you ask questions about the things in the room and you know and and then I, I again I don't want to judge other relatives of mine, but I can see their boredom meter go down re- like go up real fast. <laughs> like when they're like and this is my this and this is my that and you can just see the. And they don't care, 
and it's clear they don't care. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I just, I'm here to, I mean, I don't really care about the dolls either, but <laughs> he wants to talk to me about the dolls. Yeah. I don't care about, you know, detailing cars, but like he cares about detailing cars. So I, he wants to tell me about this. Yeah. So that's fine. I enjoy the time we're taking right now to talk about this, even if the subject isn't something that I necessarily would care about. So, like, you know, I'm, I'm in, I think that's two things I got going for me. One, I'm interested, yeah. and I don't think I'm really judgmental about shit. You know, if they, if, you know, there was a time that, you know, uh, uh, one of them said something that was transphobic, and I had to sort of take them aside and just go, so what's up with that? What are you, what are you saying? What, what's, what's that word mean to you? Like, yeah, so you think a person's a bad person if they're like that? And it's like, uh, you know, and it was clear, like, it was just something that he would say with his friends. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you call him out on it. And it's just like, I'm, and I was trying not to a thing of like, how dare you? And I was like, <laughs> well, let's, let's just break this down. What are you, what are you saying? And I was just like, okay, this, and I got a friend who's this, and I got a friend who's that, and I got a da 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 And just like, they're just people. It's just, and that's just a dumb form of, like prejudice people have. Mm-hmm. And I know he's had to deal with, with, with prejudice himself. Sure. And I've, I've now outed which of the, my niece or nephew it was by saying that. Um, I figured, I figured out which, I figured yeah, out yeah, which yeah. one yeah. You, you know, you just like, I, I just, I can't imagine a scenario where I would like want to cut them out. Like, I just like, I just can't, it's just so weird to me. Whereas like, as a kid, I felt like if I did the wrong thing, I would be completely cut out of uh, my parents' lives. Like if I fucked up mm-hmm. bad, mm-hmm. they'd just kick me out of the house and that would be the end of it. <laughs> like that was always a thing that was a possibility. Yeah, I don't think I ever felt that way. I never felt like I would. But you prob- you know, you were adopted, so you probably felt a more... I don't know if that was a factor. No, really? Okay. As, as much. No, I think okay. it was like... Because, you know, a lot of people I knew had the same thing of just like... You're always on the edge with your parents, and they would like, mm, you know, they're not well, they could. Well, I mean, like, yeah, oh. for that, that's for sure. Like, you know, I, you know, and then, and then, of course, later, I had like, you know, a fight with my mom over a new boyfriend, and we've been estranged for like six years. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I was right. Maybe I was right. You know, <laughs> you know, one argument, and then that cut, that is cut, that is cut off. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, back then I did feel like you know just on the edge, nothing secure here. Hmm. You know, whereas I think, I think, you know, you've got a situation with your daughters, whereas I think they know you'll always be there for them. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think so. You know, right. Like, it's not like, you know, if they did, if they did go on like a killing spree, you'd still be there. You'd show up in court, wear yep. a nice suit. Yep. There's things that they've told me that they were afraid to tell me. Good. And I was, my reaction was, oh, it's fine. <laughs> so don't worry about it. It's fine. And you told them, tell it to me with this flashlight under your chin. Okay. Now say it in a spooky way. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, I mean, and of course, I, both both girls have been in car accidents because they drive. And um, Eve's has never Eve's been in a couple that not her fault. Mary's been in one that was her fault. Another one that wasn't her fault. And those are scary moments, of course, as a as a parent. That uh, you know. Now, if you were in a car accident that was your fault mm-hmm. when you were her age. And you were telling your, pa- and your parents <laughs> about it. Would it have been a different scenario? Oh yeah, 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 no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, there would have been, would have been some recriminations there for, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's just it's so different. Like you know, but I mean that's the thing. Like I've said before, when I, when the girls were born, I mean I made a conscious choice, like a conscious decision, like an actual like statement in my mind. 
I will be a different parent than my parents were to me. That's what I said when Mary was born. Like I just made that resolution to myself and I, I've kept it as, you know, as good as I can. I mean, obviously I am my parents' son. And so there are elements of them that are in me that I have to like, you know, be careful about. But in other ways, you know, my parents were not affectionate. You know, they weren't super, you know, like we always had to, when we were little, we always had to give our mom and dad like a kiss goodnight, you know. But my dad was always like, turn the cheek to us, you know. <laughs> He's just, no, no kisses, only on the cheek. Turn the cheek. The cheek was always kind of stubbly because it was the end of the day. And of course, he shaved in the morning to go to work. And then, so it'd always be this kind of like kissing a piece of sandpaper or something like that. Or, oh, that's nice, dad. Thanks. But, and, you know, it's just, they just were never like huggy. They weren't, they weren't the kind of parents that like picked you up and carried you around or, you know what I mean? Like those are, those aren't memories that I have of my parents. You know, so when the girls were born, you know, like they got carried around and picked up and, and hugged and, you know, I still hug them all the time. So, you know, that's what the girls say that I express, I express love physically. Like I like to hug and, and uh, make them sit on my knee and things. <laughs> I don't, not so much now, not that they're not that they're in their twenties. I don't do that so much anymore, but I, do, I always do get them hugs and when I see them, they'll get a hug. So, um, yeah, it's just different, you know, and, and we have a good relationship too. So. You know, it's funny that the, um, you said something, you know, like when we were leaving the restaurant, she said, you know, it's, it's, well, after I paid or whatever. And she said, it's always, I made some, oh, we, we, the waiter was there and, and there was some weird kind of noise, like a rumbling noise or whatever. And he goes, oh, I hope, I hope a storm isn't coming. And I said, I said, oh, I think someone's bowling down below. And, uh, <laughs> we all laughed and then he laughed and, the, and Eve said, said, it's always nice to be the fun table in the restaurant, you know. <laughs> the table people want to go to because the people there are nice and talk to you and joke around and you know and so that's nice but i was going to say when this is a kind of fancy restaurant when we were leaving these these pants which my mom gave me they're mm-hmm. for they're free she got them from the thrift store um they're just jeans but one of the pockets is ripped so i put my phone in my pocket but it missed the pocket and just went it just fell down my leg and just fell to my shoe <laughs> So I'm in the middle of this fancy restaurant, like pulling my cell phone out of my out of the bottom of my pants. So, like a spy. Classy. Well, I guess I'll go now back to the farm. <laughs> yeah. This is where I keep my burner phone. <laughs> Don't tell the wife. <laughs> this guy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway, I'm on AstraZeneca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's an achievement. Achievement unlocked. New humiliation. That was fine. I didn't really... didn't bother me. I'm past all that. I'm in my 50s now. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's nice when cool's left the building. Well, can you imagine that happened to you when you're a teenager or in 20s? But you, just want to, you just want to melt into the floor? Yeah, they call you a whole pants dead for the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, holy pants dead. That guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's something. You can just... <laughs> When you're when, when you're at an age where like oh the thing you gotta be most careful about now is uh, AIDS oh no 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 just wear a condom for that you'll be fine I'm like okay what do I have to be careful about you know this that and the other disease no 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 nicknames nicknames <laughs> will stick and how do I get rid of a nickname oh lordy you gotta move yeah that's what it you is you just gotta move or just give up all the and friends it, you have and just have to develop a whole new friend set yeah you got to and there's still there'll be one person. Who will like just oh. like be driving by and go like, "Hey, holy pants!" <laughs> like, what do you say? 
said, he said to hold he his said, pants. I don't know. <laughs> he said, hold my pants. I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. And of course, nowadays, it doesn't matter. You can't move because you've got the internet. So like someone will post something <laughs> online. It's like, the end. Stuck forever. <laughs> yep. Forget it. That's right. Done and done. <laughs> Ugh. You, can, Ugh. you can't escape your past now. <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, I know. I, I it's, it's just the idea of like, you know, what should I do with my life? You just kind of want to just go like, just pick up a book, like a big thick book, and just go like, just put a couple of pages in and just go, here's where you're at. There's as much of the book to go. Yeah. You know, it's good. I don't think I want to know, but anyway. No, you're going to, you know, take, a, take some chances, do, do some things, and, you know, you, you, you'll be surprised where you end up anyway later on. So it's going to be, it's going to be good. She's do, gonna, you, she's, do you think if we knew when we were going to die that we'd actually be more daring? Do you not feel that you do know? Do you feel like you've got a date in your head anyway? Like no, really... I don't. I don't. Oh, okay, that's good then. Um, I mean, I think I think it's going to be I, earlier I, than I, sooner I'm than a, later. I'm a, but... I'm a cocky fucker. Like I think it'll be tomorrow <laughs> or forever. Like it's like it's like no, there's no in between. Okay. Like if someone was to say to be 82, I'd go, well, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> if someone was to say to be like 135. Yeah, I'd give that. Or next year. Yeah, all right, I'll believe that. Well, if someone was, you know, 91, well, that's dumb. You're an idiot. That's that's a dumb date. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I think, what would you do, what would you do more? Um, that's, a good, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't think there's, I like, I kind of take things as they, as they come and adjust. I feel like the world is also, like, there's no... That's the thing. It's like you're the car that's on the road, but the road radically changes. It feels like, you know, every ten years or so. Yeah. And so it's like I just got to adjust to that. I just got to adjust to what's coming. And and so many people don't, and they drive off the off the road, <laughs> and they get all messed up because of it. Um, hmm, would I? Would I? Would I? I wouldn't want to know, obviously. Um, no, it would certainly make the the approach would be dreadful. Maybe one thing, yeah. like, be one thing to be told when you're 55. I guess I'm 55. I was going to say, I, I was gonna say I'm 56, but I'm not 55. So at 55, to be told you're going to live till 82, you'd be like, well, that's pretty good. That's another, is it 20 years? 20, 27 years? Um, that's pretty good. I could, you know, I can deal with that. But then when it's like 10 years, then you're like, oh my God, it's getting close. And, you know, those, that previous 17 years, it is zipped by. So then you're thinking, like, man, the next 10 years are going to fly by. And then it's, it's going to be over for me. And then when it's like two years from now, you're like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> I don't even want to know about this anymore. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Or or you just, it becomes, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But we, we all, you know, I guess we can all successfully forget about that sort of stuff or put it behind us in a way. You know, like not, very few of us walk through life going, oh, my God, I'm going to die. This is terrible. Like, I mean, not necessarily tomorrow, but one day I'm going to like be gone. Oh, it's terrifying. And it's finality. Oh, a world without me. How will they get along? <laughs> Whatever you think. But you know what I mean? Like, and then, but no, you know, you don't do that. I mean, it's a reality, but you, you don't do that. So even maybe even if you knew, you would just like sort of not know in a way. You know what I mean? Like, it would just sort of put it aside and just live your life. Just put your head down and just get through life. And it just becomes like, you know, the sort of thing you just have to live with. But you don't, you don't think about it or it doesn't affect you that much. Well, but I don't think I mean, I'd want to know. I don't think I'd want to know, though. All right, well, I will tell you this. Last time we talked, yeah. uh, I mentioned that the life expectancy in Canada for a male yeah. 
was uh, 81 years. Okay. Uh, it's gone up. Oh, it's 82 now. It is 82.66. Okay. okay. So if you want to round up, you get 83. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the average. That's a good, that's a good average. I, I, I don't know where I'll fall in that. You know, I do, I do have some concerns about my long-term health because of my, what, you know, going through cancer and stuff like that. But that's, right. but the, but the that's other fine. Thing that, right. The other thing you got to take into account though, is medical advances in the amount of time that you're talking, you're talking 30 years yeah, of medical advances true. that yeah. go along. And also cyborg uprising, and they may take your body and put something in it. So you know, so you're partly Dave, and you're partly you know an iMac, right? That sounds awful. And you can live. Listen, you can live to two hundred. Yeah. But yeah, but but five hours a day. Yeah. Uh, a guy gets to use you as a computer. So you're just playing a lot of porn for someone. Yeah, you're playing a lot of porn. That's basically it. Five yeah. five hours a day. Listen, because normally, like, what's your work day now? It's like seven hours, eight? Nine. Nine hours a day. Okay, so you normally have a nine-hour work day. Yeah. So so your work day will be five hours. That's good news. Mm-hmm. Bad news is yeah. you're showing porn to a guy. <laughs> well, now, man, I don't it's good and bad. I mean, that's, that's about my average viewing a day so that's pretty good oh, are you watching it as well this is the thing yeah Would yeah you be watching it as well oh, i hope so or are you just turning off your brain and he's watching it on your chest and <laughs> maybe you know, that's and you're showing okay the yeah maybe that's what i would have to do you're right right i don't want to see what he's doing no it's and also it's none of your business true, true. it's no, I'm not that ju- guy works a hard i'm not uh, judging five hours a day himself as his own porn <laughs> thing for a different person <laughs> i don't want to judge anyone for the. but also by Way, we're yeah. saying guy, it could be a lady. Could be a lady. In that case, I wouldn't turn or off. Or a non binary person. You sure. don't know. I don't know. And, and they're enjoying their pornography. And also, by the yeah. way, the quality of pornography in 30 years could be excellent. Yeah. Could be just top notch. So, you know, who are we to judge? Speaking as a computer, I would be a binary person. Ah, oh, there you go. Zero, zero, well, one, zero, zero, one. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> No, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm shooting for, you know, I hope, you know, past the, past the hundreds. I, I, I sort of, that's my goal. And so, you know, there you go. And I know you can go just like, oh, so what healthy choices are you making to get yourself there? <laughs> uh, here's my, here's my healthy choice that yeah. I'm making yeah. is uh, not dying. That's the best, that's the best, that's a good start right here there. Was, here was actually one of the healthy choices I was making. Okay. Was working for Mad Magazine. Oh. Because yep. almost every one of the cartoonists, unless they have a severe drinking problem okay. or substance abuse problem, yeah. uh, live a, a long, long, t- long time. It's true. It's like true. they all are up there in their 90s yeah. and 100 and up there. And even like you go like, oh, that guy, that kid, you know, it's just like how old is Sergio Aragonis? And it's just like mid eighties, like well, geez, okay, <laughs> and you know, and not the kind of mid eighties of just like I've got to stay home with my. It's just like ah, let's party. There's the guy. Hello. <laughs> it's like yeah, I want to be that. These guys all. There's something about what they do. Yeah. That uh, you know, yeah, he's eighty three. There's something about what they do that like you know is is not too stressful. They get they have some good laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, they get some good money. And they seem to live a long time. Okay, that's good to know. I don't, yeah. I don't know what the exact secret is, but it's like, mm-hmm, let's check me out, all right? 
not doing that much physical labor, that's probably one of the secrets. Well, yeah. And you think like it's the old thing of just like, but they sit for long periods of time when they're doing cartooning or writing. Sure. And you're told, oh, but that's as bad as putting cancer right up your ass. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> I don't, think that's, I don't I think that's the case. Yeah, I understand. That, you know, somehow yeah, yeah. A, a while ago, chairs became the worst thing you could have, and the standing desk was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's the if that's true. It's just or not. you know, it that's the same impulse that it makes people buy like torn jeans. Is they just want to seem like they're doing something when they're not, you know? Yeah. Like when you see people wearing like those American Eagle jeans and they're like kind of greasy looking and torn, and you're like, I, you you don't, but I guess you want to look like you work on your car. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the idea. And I think the standing desk is the same thing. It's kind of like this idea that look, I'm doing something. No, you're not. You're just standing there. It's probably worse for you than sitting. Bad for your back. Knock it so, off. So I'm I'm looking right now. I want to see like what's the what's the job. With the longest life expectancy. Okay. Okay. So the job with the longest life expectancy. Yeah. Uh, is uh, if you're, it, it depends whether you want manual or non-manual. So manual. Yeah. And again, we're going. Um, I'm sorry. I'm going Australian statistics here. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Is manual labor is that working as a waiter in a seaside bed and breakfast? Well, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm sorry. I said Australian. I'm a liar. Austrian. Okay. okay. Austrian. Okay. Okay. So, like, uh, I... highest rate. Oh, by the way, what's the most dangerous occupation, would you say? Most dangerous occupation? Besides being hunted for sport. <laughs> that's, not, that's not an occupation. Uh, that's a hobby. Um, I would say most dangerous occupation would be. Quite a few people have it in BC. Quite a few people. What, sorry? Have this occupation in British Columbia. Oh, oh! I was going to say police, police officer, but that's not it then. So, no. um, is it lumber, like a logger? Yes, forestry logger? industry. That's correct. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, very dangerous occupation. That makes sense. Okay, so non-manual, uh, that would be uh, doctors. Yep. Uh, chartered accountants. Okay. And engineers. All right. So they live uh, men on average now. This is a little while. This is a little while back. This was done in the mid two thousands. Okay. Okay. Uh, and they would live to like uh, men to eighty, yeah. women to eighty five. All right. Uh, then we're going down. The second to that, that's your managers, journalists, and teachers. Okay. So good job, teachers. Women uh, who are teachers live to be uh, eighty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, men uh, seventy nine. Yeah. And after so kid, that, it's the kids the, wear you wear out two years of your life. There you are. And then again for non-manual, uh, skilled non-manual uh, clerks, cashiers, and retail staff. Okay. Uh, so that would be for uh, men uh, 78, uh, women 82. Uh, if you're going manual labor. Yeah. Supervisors of manual workers. Okay, that doesn't count, but that sounds more like a non-manual job, but okay. Okay, but you know, you do a little yourself, but for the most part, you're a supervisor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, then we go plumbers, electricians, and goods uh, vehicle drivers. Okay. All right. And they, uh, so that one, uh, the fellows live to 76. Mm-hmm. The uh, women live to 80. Uh, partially skilled warehousemen, security guards, machine tool operators, yep. care assistants, and waiters. Yeah. We got 75 and 79. And unskilled, that is cleaners, messengers, uh, and laborers, 72 and 78. Wow. So, you know, still up there. Still up there. So, yeah. So, so. What that says but, is, uh, I, I, need to f- I need to phase out of my... Uh current job. what you need to do is do some cartooning as well <laughs> well i do a little bit but I, I feel i feel like i need to be doing that instead of 
uh, so right now I'm doing it on top of, <laughs> so it seems like I'm hastening my end even more. I'm doing two jobs. So I'm doing, yeah, both, I'm I'm doing both manual and uh, uh, manual and non-manual labor. Yeah. I'm wondering like, um, you know, again, life expectancy of, uh, of uh, podcasters, you wouldn't be able to know. Uh, no, it's such a new it's such a new thing. But I guess DJs would be similar or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I was trying to find out what the what the what the DJs uh, and and then <laughs> oh, oh Jesus Christ uh, oh jeez uh, and yeah you know what don't don't look up death by musical genre <laughs> okay how about this I'll, I'll give you this okay so we're not going to get into the ones that are you know sad. Um, well, maybe we will. Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go accidental deaths. Okay. Now here's, here's what we're looking at here. We're looking at blues, jazz, country, gospel, R and B, pop, folk, world music, rock, electronic, punk, metal, rap, and hip hop. Okay. Okay. And we're looking for what genre of music has the most, uh, musicians die accidentally. And then what genre of music has the least musicians die accidentally uh which um i'm gonna say either country music or the blues country music uh it, you know what well, what, what, what are you going for you know what uh, uh what do you think with the blues do you think that's highest accidental or lowest accidental i was going highest like country music and and blues would be the okay highest. well you're absolutely wrong blues <laughs> has the least accidental really yeah at 9.2 percent i guess it's uh, all intentional because they're all feeling blue so they'd yeah the second themselves in the second lowest yeah. as in like accidental is uh, jazz so <laughs> you're not going to die by accident well those guys are smart yeah there you go so i guess we have to look at the stupid musical genres so like well heavy I metal s- Okay, heavy metal is number one, yeah. yeah. 36, 36% uh, yeah. accidental uh, deaths, and second to that, punk rock. Yeah, both, yeah, a couple of genres of, uh, populated by ding-dongs. Uh, okay, this is a little, you know what, uh, you know what, we'll get a little, uh, okay, here we go. Uh, let's just go, <laughs> how, all right, what would you say, and again, I'm sorry to bring this up as in like a late thing, sure. but like, um, what is the safest uh, jo- uh, genre uh, for for lowest deaths by suicide. Lowest deaths by suicide. Yes. Huh. Well, I think I'm gonna go along with I'm gonna go along with uh, the blues again because I think they sing it out rather than do it. You're pretty good. Only two percent for blues. That's hmm. correct. Hmm. Um, but uh, lower still oh. uh, is uh, R and B at one point six. Yeah. And lower still, yep. gospel zero point nine. Well, that makes sense. I mean. Come on, they're full of the Lord. They're not and the and what is the highest uh, suicide rate? Um, uh, deaths. Oh, I guess it's gonna be heavy metal again. Yes, you're correct. Those guys have to make make a big show of everything. So you know what it is? It's just all Norwegian death metal musicians. They're the ones who just they've skewed that right out of right out of all. all uh, those guys are what? like either burning down churches or killing each other or themselves. What do you think is the uh, is the genre of music? Mm-hmm that has the greatest amount of deaths from uh, heart-related issues. Heart-related issues? Heart-related issues. Which genre of music? Oh. And, what has, and which, which genre has the least? So, uh, I guess I'll guess country music for most. 
Country music is uh, second. Oh, shoot. Well, pretty close. Um, and the least, I'm going to give that to... I'm going to give that to... Um, like... Give you a clue. Think of who's the fittest. <laughs> so I guess dance music or something? Well, uh, I don't think dance was, was in that list. Oh, okay. But okay, like pop music or whatever. Like, that's what I was going to say, pop music. So. Uh, pop music? Uh, no, pop music is like dead on in the middle of it. Oh, really? Oh, like okay. 16.4%. Yeah, perfectly. Okay. Yeah. I don't... Uh, the correct answer is uh, yeah. it's almost a tie between rap and hip-hop. Oh, okay. Uh, 6.1% and 6.9%. Mm. 6.9 for rap, 6.1 for hip-hop. Okay. And, uh, and what the, we're, still, we're still looking for the number one. Well, darn you! You threw you threw you threw me off when you said the the fittest. I, that made me think of dance. But I was going to say hip uh, hip hop or rap for for least amount of heart attacks. All right, let's go with like but, what's um, the le- what's the least fit then? What are the ones that are always sweating? <laughs> <laughs> always sweating. Well, heavy metal. Um, heavy metal is actually not too bad. They're oh, is that Eleven percent. Yeah, they're okay. No, oh, I guess all the drumming they have to do. Mm-hmm. Keep the, they once again the skews the ground. Um, country music would be very unhealthy, I think. Country music is uh, is right in the middle. Oh, at uh, twenty three point five. What would be least healthy then? No, the, the, the fit. Jazz, I suppose. Jazz is uh, jazz is not too bad. Jazz okay. is not too bad. Right. It's even healthier than country music. Uh, yeah. The least healthy heart related uh, yeah. music, blues. Oh, okay. Too much booze. Yeah. And a, lot of, a lot of sweat, a lot of hit me old. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, little thing on the Just forehead. They say, you know, woke up this morning. Right. And what is the least yeah. uh, likely to be killed in a homicide uh, genre? Um, gospel. Gospel is uh, it's not bad. It's three point one, three point six percent. Oh, okay. It was lower than that. Lower than that. There are two that are lower. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say hip hop. Um, Hip hop and rap are the highest. Yeah, it's that's, that seems yeah. to be the yeah. That yeah. seems to be that's everyone's uh, way of going. There's the door. Um, so let's see now. The very lowest, so it's not gospel. It's gonna be a children's singer. Children's children's singer. Yeah, like a you know like like um. I was gonna call him like Raffi. Raffi. I was gonna call him Valley, but that, I knew that was wrong. Raffi. You're probably right. It's not on the Sherry Lewis the and Bram, Fred Penner. You don't hear about those guys getting knocked up. The Wiggles? Have anyone? Has anyone killed the Wiggles? No. No one has killed the Wiggles that way. No. No. Uh, the, you okay. wish they would, but they haven't. Well, there you go. I used to work for Sherry Lewis and Bram. I can't speak against those. I was folks. talking about the Wiggles, but anyway. Okay, very good. Uh, so the, the least likely to be killed in a homicide, if you don't want to be killed by a homicide. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is uh, very close, almost tied between country and jazz. At uh, 1.9% for jazz, 1.6% for country. Interesting. So there you go. If you're thinking about becoming a musician, pick your way to die. <laughs> find, find that safe, safe no place. No one gets out alive, but you know you can pick your way to die. I read, I read a book called The Encyclopedia of Dead Rock Stars, and it was, that's basically what it was. It's just describing rock star deaths through time. And it was, it was interesting. What was interesting to me was the... Uh, the changeover of mode of, of like there's a lot of death from transportation. That's a pretty common death in music, mm-hmm. you know. Like so, er, early days, a lot of car accidents took a lot of lives, and then it morphed. So there was a lot of plane crashes took a lot of lives, and then it morphed again, and a lot of helicopter crashes took a lot of lives. And so you know, there's 
you know, within that, there's a lot of death by misadventure and by your own hand and through through poor through poor uh, drug management and things like that. So, right. you know, those those kind of you know those are always with us, whether you know it's Hank Williams or whoever the next you know the next person who overdoes it, Jimi Hendrix or Jim Morrison, whoever, right? Janis Joplin, all those people that you know uh, bought it at some point through through overdoing overdoing the fun aspect of rock and roll. But uh, a co- quite common, you know, way of dying is is the is the is the you know however you're being transported. And in the early days, of course, most bands drove themselves around, you know, and so they would get into car crashes and people would fall asleep and smash into bridges or whatever. And then later on, flying became more popular. So of course, we have people like Buddy Holly, you know, or Otis Redding, or Leonard Skinnerd, the band dying and you know. Uh, plane crashes and then move it up again and then we have people like Stevie Ray Vaughan and and Bill Graham the concert promoter dying in helicopter crashes so yeah it's a, it's it is sort of a morbid but interesting if that's yeah it. I was more hey, interested- you know what listen we're we're again we're in the pandemic we're gonna get some <laughs> morbid shit okay but what was good about the book was that the guy who wrote it did a really good job researching the people he was talking about so even if they were like really obscure, he had like lots of interesting things to say about these various people, which I really appreciated that. Um, you know, the, it, you know, it also was like, you know, for people you didn't know very well, it introduced you to, you know, their lives and and you know their what they did and while they're alive, and then and then of course their horrible and gruesome death at some point, or just their slow fade into obscurity and and old age and death. But more of them are more dramatic. I think that's what he was more interested in. But yeah. Yeah, don't don't die in a dramatic way because then people mm. unless unless it's rescuing, you know, a bus full of kids. Sure. That but that's very rare for musicians to do that, to be honest with you. Yeah, and then and then you like turn to Kevin Costner and he goes, Shouldn't have done that. Like <laughs> Costner, every time let, let people don't. let people save the kids. I don't like kids. <laughs> By the way, that's yeah. that was just something I was thinking about the other day. Okay, was was that just that one again? I don't want to, but that scene in Man of Steel <laughs> okay. where you know Kevin Costner goes up in a tornado, and <laughs> yes, there's no way. Silliest, here's how you here's how you know scene. the person who directed that doesn't read comics because you don't see the body. Mm. So there's no way he's dead. In, no way in comic book, in comic book mythology, no. yeah, yeah. If no, can... if if Pa Kent, you know, gets sucked up in a tornado, sure. the next thing we're going to see is like there's going to be a tornado themed villain, yeah, that's going to be flying around, and then he's going to take his mask off at the end. It's going to be Pa. He's going to be brainwashed <laughs> by someone. Yes. right. It's yeah. like there's no way he's dead. He's Makes not sense. dead. Yeah. You don't see a body. You know what you need to see is like the next scene and like Pa's impaled on a weather vane. And like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Good point. You know, <laughs> even so, dumb scene. No matter no matter how you slice it. Um, can I just Dave, can I ask you a question though? Please. Just on a related topic. Well, actually, the same topic. By the way, if you did see him like impaled on a weather vane, then you, then you have to have him turn and just uh, say say to him, he's so vain that he doesn't even know the songs <laughs> about him. Anyway, go ahead. So I was just going to ask in the in the original comics or in the the. Mytho- you know the built built up over time mythology of Superman. Uh, does Pa Kent die? It- yeah, the first uh, issue of Superman that you see uh, the, the the 
full page, like the full montage of just like uh, sent to Earth, and then um, then you see you know uh, him landing in the rocket yeah. with Mon Pa Kent, yeah. and then the next that uh, it's the one that you see where he's getting a shot from the doctor, and uh, like the needle broke off on your arm. It's like <laughs> okay. try again, doc. Like okay, after I tell everyone you're a fucking alien. You know, <laughs> also, by the way, enjoy polio, you jerk. Anyway, um, and, and then the next one of the next panels is him standing over his parents' graves, going like, "All my powers, and I couldn't save them." And then the next one, he's like, oh. "Off to Metropolis." So they just like brush over it that way. Mm-hmm. But then over time, they made uh, Pa die first from a heart attack. Oh, I see. And again, it's the "All my powers, and I couldn't save them." Yeah. And then they use that in the Christopher Reeve movie. Which, by the way, you didn't try. Like, like, so, like when 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 Clark sees sees him, yeah. you know, lying dead, you yeah. know, or like had a heart attack. Well, do you know CPR? Sure. Did he even give it a shot? Yeah. Like, I don't think he, he even gave it a try. But if he, okay. If he enough. really loved him, he would have flown around the world to make it spin backwards. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like now we know that you can actually do that. Yeah. That is a bit of a uh, that dick move. <laughs> Yeah, if we all, if we knew that time was not irrevocable. Yeah, once again, it's the it's that wonderful scene in Superman where you know, Carol, whatever you do, don't go back in time. <laughs> Ever go back in time? He goes back in time. <laughs> Any consequences? Roll credits. <laughs> no consequences. All the things you set up didn't matter. Why we even bring it up? It was weird. Did you know he could do that? He yes, he did. Okay, fine. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah, by the way, uh, Jorel, knowing how time travel works, yeah. could you have saved your own planet that way? <laughs> no, because he couldn't fly. He, because of the weight of the gravity of the sun, he couldn't fly as fast as Superman can around Earth. Okay. Which mysteriously uh, has a reversing the time of the Earth effect, as we've already established so through an imaginary sa- movie. What we're saying, though, is okay. But Jor-El is a dude who can make a rocket in his living room. Okay. You know that will take a baby to Earth. Yeah. So I'm just saying, Jor-El probably has the tech to build a rocket mm. that can go around Krypton pretty fast. That might, you know, if you like, he knows how time travel works, like. Here again. This is my my head canon fan fiction. But he also says that you shouldn't do it. So yeah, he, he does. He took Which his my, own. He took his own advice. Unlike, my, but he never says why or what have you. My head canon fan fiction of this, of course, is that uh, this was something that Krypton did a bunch of times to fix problems that they had. Yeah. And in doing so, fucked up their planet so much that it blew up. <laughs> and this was the reason that. You know, Krypton was unstable and blew up. It's like, you know what the planet doesn't like? You pushing it backwards. It does, Everything inside says, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. That's no good for it. Yeah. And so you do it multiple times, your planet's going to blow up. But then the uh, science council goes, eh, things are fine. I don't remember any of that. Of course not. It was time travel. You don't remember any of it. Mm, so, so say you. So say you. Anyway, let's put some more people into a glass prison forever. Hey, couldn't you escape the planet using that thing? <laughs> you know, that way of like another dimension that you could like escape into. Yeah. Huh? Like, I'm not going to the Phantom Zone. That place is low then, class. Like, like, couldn't we all get into that thing and then it would fly to a universe with a, with a yellow sun and then we could get out of it and then, you know, uh, be super powered and we're fine? <laughs> I'm going to shoot a baby into space. Okay, whatever. 
jerk. Isn't the idea though that Dave. they're? Isn't it the idea that they're permanently trapped in there? It just seems weird yeah, that they. Until, it's just something until hits a it. Missile, yeah, I know. Until it's a silly. missile hits it and then uh, it blows up. Or like what? What? How did it blow up in uh, in the second movie? How yeah, it it's a we we launch like a, a rocket from Earth and it 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 hits the. Uh... Oh, so it so if it if something hits it, it yeah, it would have just been up. like a meteorite in outer space. Like, well, how come it didn't some space debris and already smash it up already? Yeah, and if it's like you know the power of like a nuclear thing like that, so this thing's never going to hit a star. But it's not even. Into... It's, I don't think it's nuclear. I think it's just like a regular. So it just broke like glass? There's nothing in space it's going to hit? <laughs> what does it mean? Isn't, yeah. it, isn't it just like a normal rocket? It's not like a... Why are they launching a... Oh, wait. Does Superman throw a nuclear missile off Earth and it hits it? Okay, here's the thing. Is that what in happens? The, in the Donner Cut... Yeah. Uh, they, uh, the Donner, happens, it's called the to- Donner Party, by the way, that version. Sure, it's a bit of a party and everyone's invited. <laughs> um, when yeah. Luther's uh, shooting two missiles... And Superman uh, tries to stop both of them. Yeah. Uh, so in, like, he takes one of the missiles and he throws it into space in the Donner version. Yeah. Like, I know they're both Donner versions, but like the Donner version that <laughs> throws, throws it throws it into space. And that's the missile. That missile hits the Phantom Zone that just happens to be going by at that particular second. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like crying out loud. <laughs> so, anyway. It anyway, seems uh, it seems uh, like a weird thing that your Phantom Zone is sort of isn't like a stationary object, but is f- roaming around the universe. I like the idea in the comics because yeah. basically the way they describe it is, you know, and the way they're doing it now on the TV show with Supergirl is like, you know, it's it's a really kind of hellish dimension, and there's like there's actual phantoms that are in this zone, okay, and all this kind of thing. Yeah. I like the idea again. This is my head canon, <laughs> is that Jor-El is a man of science, okay, and Krypton. They hate everything that's supernatural and magical. Like, you know, that's the reason that magic is so best. And I'm saying this is like, this is my make em ups. But in the comics, magic really affects Superman badly. It's because I think that he doesn't uh, believe in it because, you know, so it, it really messes him up. He's got no protection against it whatsoever. Um, but, but what I feel is that, that Jor-El opened somehow through an experiment a gateway to hell. And, and and people just went, oh, it's a gateway to hell. And went, of course not, you fool. It's just another dimension. It's just a silly dimension. It's, a, it's another dimension. Yeah. And so he's been sending all these villains to hell and just putting them in hell. Yeah. And, uh, and, and never acknowledging that it's hell because how could it be? That's supernatural nonsense. It's the blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, Jerry, you opened the gateway to hell, which also might be what weakened the planet and, you know, blew it up. So there you go. That's uh, that's my nerdy because I'm not going to write Superman, but if I did, that might be something I'd write. <laughs> sure. Also, I team up Jor-El with Pa Kent at some point. Oh, so I'd like to see super scientist yeah. and down-to-earth farmer both having to save their son. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Who they both love mm-hmm. and they don't need to un- understand the other person at all, mm-hmm. but they are united and bond in a buddy kind of situation sure. over their love of uh, of uh, Clark. Love it. Yep. I love all that kind of Superman family stuff. So that's that's great. Now, Dave, speaking of uh, nothing to do with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Last week, uh, you, you weren't up for doing any uh, vampire soap opera talk. But am I wrong in saying you had a chance to watch some this week? I didn't understand that question because the double negatives threw me off. But I did get a chance to watch it this week. 
Oh, good, 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 good. And that's a quadruple positive. <laughs> so quadruple. we're, of course, talking about Dark Shadows. It was a, um, I was going to say sitcom soap opera yeah. that ran in the early 70s. and was very, very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that made it different from other soap operas was it involved a vampire. And Dave's been watching this on 2B, and he has been letting us know what's going on in the world yeah. uh, of, uh, of Barnabas Collins. And so uh, I'm now going to yield the floor to you, sir. Oh, and uh, thank you. Here we go. Thank you. So and I remind you, last time you uh, you said all this stuff, yeah, uh, you fall asleep immediately afterwards. So, <laughs> so we can expect it this time again. By the way, prepare. Okay, go ahead. So uh, as you may you may not remember everyone because uh, oh sorry before I start I should say um, dark shadows. Yay! So uh, if everyone remembers last episode when we talked about dark shadows, Barnabas was buried alive because he was thought to be dead, bitten by a bat. Well, he is dead. He's, un- he's undead. Well, he's not dead right now, though. He's not undead. He's not a vampire right now. Oh, okay. Sure. Remember, he was cured during the uh, experiment that created Adam. Mm. And we know this because, as Professor Lang said, as long as Adam is alive, um, Barnabas will be human because Adam removes Barnabas' affliction in some way. I can't remember exactly how, but that is that is a thing. So now, um, Barnabas has been buried alive. And so when Julia realizes this, she, she actually sits down and does a quick calculation of how much air is left in the coffin and how quickly they'll, how much time they'll have to dig him out. I don't know why she wasted, w- wasted five minutes sitting down and figuring this out on a pad of paper, but yeah, she did. Is she taking into account the time she wasted? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, Professor Stokes stands there going, uh, you know, what? We must rescue him. We must do something. And she says, well, let me figure this out first. Let me think now if you carry the two. So then... Uh, time to dick around writing this down. Yeah. So they, they then leave. They leave Adam with Carolyn of course, Adam is is suffocating while this is happening. They uh, they race to where the grave was or is, and Professor Stokes is put to work. <laughs> this sort of dandy professor is put to work uh, digging up Barnabas, mm-hmm. and Barnabas revives and 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 then Stokes leaves to to uh, be with uh, to be with um, Adam, but uh, and then Barnabas is frightened because. You know, dawn is coming, and now he thinks he's a a vampire now, ah, because he was bitten by the bat. But then the dawn comes, and he does not die, so he is still human. Because they don't know about Adam, they don't know the story of, of how Adam works in this thing. So, so Carolyn decides she's going to hide Adam in the closed-off wing of Collinwood, and uh, David, of course has listened to his music on the cassette tape he got from Julia, Dr. Lang's former cassette tape, and he has heard Dr. Lang's message. So he's trying to tell uh, very disinterested adults about this information. He's, you know, he's like, who's Adam? And why do, how does Barnabas know Adam? And why did I just drop my notes on the floor? One second. Too much gesticulating. I'm back. <laughs> so... Uh, so David, like, he goes to find uh, Julia, Dr. Hoffman, to play this for her, but she's not there, and Willie, of course, just chases him off, because he's a stupid kid. Get out of here, kid! Go back to your home! Leave it! Get out of this place! So so David is uh, is sent off. Now, now uh, I've got to tell you that Cassandra slash Angelique, we know that her 
brother, in quotation marks, Nicholas Blair. This person showed up basically to revive Cassandra after she was reduced to ashes by by the uh, the Reverend. What was his name? At Reverend something or other, Reverend thing. Now, <laughs> the witch hunter from the past, Trask, Reverend Trask. Okay. Who, you know he he destroyed destroyed Cassandra slash Angelique, and then Nicholas Blair showed up and he revived her. But we know that he is not a nice person, that he's in cahoots with Cassandra. But now he is very upset with her because she is not getting the job done. And he thinks that she is is uh, in love with Barnabas, distracted. And, and basically he gives her an ultimatum that she has to figure out what, like why. Because she's saying, well, the dream Chris should have worked. I don't understand why it didn't work. And he's like, well, because it's a dumb idea. The dream curse. Everyone knows that. It was like the most boring part of like the last two two months of the show, and uh, that's why it didn't work. But no, she's like, no, no, something stopped it from happening. And so he says, I'll give you, I'll give you till midnight to figure it out. And then when she complains, <laughs> when she complains about it later, he says, I'll tell you what, you have an hour. If you don't Ooh. figure it out, shit's gonna happen. So she's like, gulp. But luckily for her, David comes to her and plays the tape. Dr. Lang's tape for her. And of course, she listens to it and she learns that the reason that Barnabas is, was unaffected and the curse did not happen is because Adam is alive. Oh. And so she knows that the key to having her revenge on Barnabas is Adam. But now she has to find Adam. But she plays the tape for... Um, well, let me just interrupt that because I, I, the, the sure. show interrupts itself because... We know, as of course, Carolyn has hidden Adam in the west wing of the house. So that's, you know, the best idea, of course, is to always take someone that everyone's looking for and hide them in your own home. <laughs> brilliant idea, especially when, you know, most of the people there are at least, are, if not disinterested, actively hostile to Adam, right? So, so uh, but she brings him breakfast and Adam reveals that he has the haunts for Carolyn. He recites, oh. he recites a love sonnet for her. Oh that he has learned but carolyn cannot return the feelings because you know a little while ago he kidnapped her and hit her in a root cellar yeah but also she doesn't know who he is that's also a problem he's just a big tall guy with scars all over his face yeah that's a double that's a double problem yeah that's a problem right so we've all we've all been there we've all been there i mean you know the amount of times i've had scars yeah exactly (laughs) walk a mile in his gigantic shoes exactly so uh, now, um, what was I going to say? So, uh, um, oh yeah. So Nicholas listens to the tape with, with Cassandra, with Class Angelique. She plays it for him. She's like, look, I found what the problem is or why it didn't work. And she plays it for him. And he's like, who is this Adam? Now I'm really curious who this Adam is. I got to figure this out. So he somehow figures out that because it's Dr. Lang, he's like, okay, well, Dr. Lang knew who Adam was. So I'm going to go talk to Dr. Lang. Oh, by the way, he's dead. How did he die? <laughs> he killed him. You killed him? Oh, my God. Cassandra slash Angelique. Uh, so he goes and he summons the ghost of Dr. Lang. And Dr. Lang reveals that Julia brought Adam to life. That he died before it could happen, but mm-hmm. that Julia Hoffman brought him to life. So then Nicholas calls forth the ghosts of the people who provided the body parts for Adam. And two of them show up. And they tell him where Adam is hiding. So he now knows that Adam is hiding in Collinwood. In the in a part of the house, but um, now 
the thing is, Cassandra knows that Adam, who Adam, you know, what Adam's role is in keeping Barnabas from from the curse, and so she has her own interest in Adam, i.e., getting rid of Adam, and so she really wants Nicholas to tell tell her where he is, but he doesn't want to tell her, and mm-hmm. so he goes and he meets Adam and befriends him. And let me just say, Nicholas Blair. Now, Adam, it's a good name. Adam is a good name. So let's let's kind of look at Adam's character. Adam is been described many times in the show as childlike. You know, of course, he's strong and powerful and becoming smarter every day because he's, he's learning so much. Like when he, Professor Stokes befriended him and took care of him and, and taught him, you know, he's using like flashcards to teach him new words. And, and Adam is actually really intelligent and is learning a lot. The problem is, is that he is naive and very childlike because he does, has not, you know, even though he's an adult, he's had no real life experiences. He's only been awake, alive for a couple of weeks you know, so he doesn't know what's what, you know, and so Nicholas Blair shows up and he really is the snake in the garden. He's a serpent in the garden here, right? Mm-hmm. And so he meets Adam and befriends him, tells him that he's his friend anyway, and tells him that he needs to grab what he wants. He can't let Professor Stokes try to make him civilized and a kind person, that's not going to get him anything. No, Adam, you have to grab what you want. You have to have the willpower and the strength of character to grasp what you want in life. And so what does what does Adam want? He wants Carolyn. And so but while while he's talking to while he's talking to Adam, Cassandra goes to work with her little kind of voodoo doll thing, and she attempts to kill Adam. Oh, okay. But Nicholas Blair realizes this and he comes and stops her. And not only does he stop her. He takes away her powers. He cancels her as a witch. She is no longer a witch. She no longer has any powers as a witch. You can cancel a witch? <laughs> Apparently, Nicholas Blair can. All right. He's very powerful. All right. There's, not, there's hints at who he actually is. Right. There's hints at who he actually is. Let me just say that Nick is his name. Oh. Old Nick. Might oh, say. so it could be Nicholas Cage. It might be Nicholas Cage, who is nowadays... Old Nick. Um, who's, go, who's Ghost Rider? That all makes sense. It's just coming all together. So he takes away her powers and he says, death will come to you soon. Oh, man. And no, one like, no one likes hearing that. No one wa- I don't want to hear it. Even if I said 82. It still sounds soon. So uh, Cassandra goes to Barnabas as Angelique. She comes and she admits, even though she's been playing at being Cassandra all this time and denying whenever, you know, Barnabas stupidly, by the way, showed his hand and said, I know you're Angelique. She was smart and she played cagey and she said, who, me? And so, but she comes to him now and she says, she says, I was Angelique. Oh. And, you know, pretty much just sort of confesses to who, who she was and, and talks to him and tries to like, tries to like, you know, I don't know, ask, you know, did you ever love me or whatever, you know? And of course he kind of denies her and then she begins to age rapidly. Okay. We've all been there, too, yeah. So she goes back to, to, to Blair, to Nicholas Blair, and she says, you know, you have to help me. I'm, I'm aging. I'm dying. And he's like, yeah, I told you. <laughs> and I'm not going to stop it. She's like, no, you have to. And she says, says, quit begging. It's boring. But then he decides, I'll tell you what. If you can convince Barnabas to forgive you, you will live. Mm-hmm. I will reverse what's happening to you. So she's like, okay. So she goes to Barnabas, and she says, she apologizes for what she did to him. And she asks for his forgiveness, and he says... He says, I can't, I cannot forgive you because what you did, you did to people I loved. You know, you killed my mother. 
you killed mm. my my best friend. That's always tough. Yeah. You killed. You know. You killed. Uh, you destroyed my life. You killed Josette. Mm-hmm. You. You know, like everything, everyone I loved, you you killed. You know, and I cannot, I cannot forgive you for that. And so she cannot be saved, and she dies. She just sits down in a chair in his sitting room in in the old house, and she dies. This old woman. And um, now, when Barnabas realizes that she dies, he he uh, heads off to Collinwood to get Julia to come. And they come back, and then they go into the house, and she's gone. Her body's gone. So now, of course, Nicholas Blair kind of makes uh, talking, you know, he kind of says, like, I guess I will have to leave now that my sister has died, you know, to Roger. And, of course, Roger's like, of course not. You know, we're welcome to stay here for as long as you want, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so Blair says, well, I'm thinking of, like, renting a house in town. And and Roger, of course, says, no, that's ridiculous. We have plenty of houses you can rent. We'll, we'll, you can have one of our old, old houses, you know. So, so Blair moves into an old house by the sea. And uh, he brings Angelica's coffin into the basement. So, um, so we know he has Angelica's body, or Angelique's body, I should say. Now, Adam attempts to grab what he wants. And he basically assaults Carolyn, who fights him off and is extremely angry with him. And says to him, you know, that is, A, not how you behave yourself with women. But also, I cannot love you because I do not know you. But he doesn't understand what that means. You know, like, he just thinks that she doesn't want, that she can't love him or that she doesn't love him. So he tries to kill himself. And he's stopped by uh, Mrs. Johnson's son, who, by the way, I haven't mentioned this before, but kind of stumbled mm-hmm. stumbled on Adam uh, and now... And now uh, has been tasked by Carolyn to be sort of also caretaker of Adam, bringing him food and stuff like that, where he's hiding. And uh, so he prevents Adam from killing himself. And when they tell Professor Stokes this, Professor Stokes goes and talks to Adam. And basically, he feels compelled to tell Adam his true origins, that he's only been alive for a few weeks, that he was created, not born into this world, that he was an artificial construct that was created and animated through science. And... And he says, and that's why Carolyn doesn't know you very well, you know. But Adam takes this to mean because he is different, because he is this creature, Carolyn can never love him, which is not what Professor Stokes was trying to say. But Adam turns against Stokes for telling him this and is angry at Carolyn for keeping it secret and also angry that she will never love him. And now kind of falls even more under the influence of Blair, who convinces Adam that he needs to he needs to demand that that uh, Barnabas create a mate for him, someone who will love him, which has nothing to do with Adam. It's all to do with Nicholas Blair's evil plans. But okay. He's using Adam to get to get this, and so uh, Barnabas, or sorry, Adam goes to Barnabas and basically tells Barnabas this: "You have to create a mate for me." And Barnabas is like, "Well, I didn't make you. <laughs> you were someone else's experiment that." we are dealing with, but you were not created by me. You know, and he's like, no, you made me. And he's like, no, I, he says, when I woke up, you were standing over me. You're my creator. And Barnabas, Barnabas can't convince him. And then Adam leaves. And then now Vicky, who has just been proposed to by Jeff and given a, an engagement ring, um, felt compelled to go tell Barnabas, of course, because she knows Barnabas loves her, but she loves Barnabas as a friend 
and feels like she needs to tell him that she and Jeff are engaged. And so she goes to the old house to tell him and they talk and, you know, Barnabas is gracious and, and in defeat, I guess. And then she leaves to go back to the old house, but on her way there, Adam comes up, Adam, you know, basically captures her, kidnaps her and takes her away. And, uh, he hides her in, in the, in the old wing where he is also hiding. And, uh, she, he informs her that she is basically a hostage. He wants to trade her for the life of a woman who will be created for him. Meanwhile, uh, Tom Jennings, a local handyman, is is uh, in Nicholas Blair's house doing some odd jobs. And rather foolishly, despite Blair's request that he not, goes down into the basement to check out like any kind of problems that might be down there. And he stumbles upon Angelica's coffin. Mm. And of course, Blair is not happy about this, but he lets him leave. But as Jennings is walking home in the forest, he is attacked by someone, and and his body is found by by Jeff, who is of course now searching for Vicky. And Jennings is still alive, but not not thought to not thought to make it. But he's taken to the hospital, and we learn that he when he he was attacked, and he has two puncture wounds in his neck. Dun, dun, dun. So then uh, now Adam, of course, has Vicky, and he's. You know, she's trying to reason with him and asking what's going on, but he's like, you know, he wants, he wants what he wants. He's been taught by Blair that, you know, he needs what he wants. He he can grab. <clears throat> so Blair, Blair comes and he, he gives uh, Adam a drug that will knock Vicky unconscious. And then they're going to move her from the West Wing or not the West Wing, but from the that old wing uh, where, where they're hiding her to, to Nicholas Blair's house where it'll be safer to keep her. Okay. So... They do that. They move her to Blake's house. And then Blair releases Angelique from her coffin. And we now learn that Angelique is a vampire, but she's under Blair's control. <sighs> and he, he says, what a delicious irony, isn't it? And she's like, what? That you wanted to turn Barnabas into a vampire. And now you are one. <laughs> so then, uh, so Angelica goes to, to Vicky and she tricks Vicky into giving her, her, wit, her engagement ring. And she gives it to um, Blair, who gives it to Adam, and Adam brings it to Barnabas, and he basically says to Barnabas, "You have to create a mate for me, or Vicky will die." And that's where we'll leave Ooh. this episode of Dork Shadows. Bum bum bum. Yikes! Yes. What a crazy world they live in. This huh? <laughs> is endless, and it's so weird too because they're like, "You were made two weeks ago, Adam. Two weeks ago. It feels like it was like two years ago by this point. All those incidents <laughs> happened." I mean, I leave out a lot of, like, kind of stuff that's, like, you know, it's just, like, a lot of things are happening on the sides. Because sometimes, like, plots are introduced. Like, like Mrs. Johnson's son, I have no idea what's going on with that guy. Like, he was introduced to the show, and then he, would, like, wasn't on the show for, like, like 10 episodes. And then, um, or, or, like, back when uh, Burke Devlin was alive, or was part of the show's cast, of course, he went down, the, went down to Brazil and got in a plane crash in the Amazon. But... Even before that, like he was, they were going to buy a house together. And remember, like they couldn't buy the house because there was some, some um, codicil in the will that made it so that it couldn't be couldn't be rented for some certain amount of time, and that wouldn't elapse for another year. Just, <laughs> but it was weird, like it was introduced into the show, but then it uh, never came up again, you know. And we haven't seen Elizabeth for started forever because she's of course uh, 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 she's uh, in the, um, the at the asylum because she thinks she's Naomi. So she's gone cuckoo. Now I'm not sure if she had to leave the show to go to do a movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, yeah, she's so she's not in the show right now. 
Yeah, it's a lot of incident. It's crazy. But anyway. So there you go. That was uh, Dark Shadows. And no one ever says to Barnabas, sucks to be you. <laughs> no one has yet made that joke to Barnabas. No. no well, there's still time. It, there it um, is. We're going to flop on over to our mailbag. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Why are we flopping over? We're just flopping over because, you know, I'm running out of energy because, okay. you know, okay. I'm on the AstraZeneca. Yeah, yeah. Um, our, we asked a couple of questions last week, like, how uh, how has travel changed you? Have you been on a trip that changed you? Sure. And uh, do you have any interest in the Oscars this year? Hmm. That kind of thing. Uh, apparently, not a lot of people did. Not a lot of people watched it. Um, but, you know. <laughs> It was it's worth what it was. It's worth asking. It uh, it was you know what it, when I was doing my um, uh, little Nancy uh, game with you, I felt a bit like uh, that show trying to get their their game into the thing. Like, We're gonna play a game now, and it's like it was just awkward. It felt like at a party where you know someone's just like, okay, time for a game. Like <laughs> well, we were all just relaxing and having time. Game time. I'm like all right, fine, we'll do a game. And we did a game, and it was okay. Um, but uh, what do we got here? Uh, so, so the first person who wrote us is our friend Louise. Hmm. She says, I didn't get too excited about the Oscars this year. Uh, these days, a lot of nominated movies are the cinematic equivalent of fiber heavy of a fiber heavy meal. Uh, they may contain healthy measures of reality, but are you ever going to order them again? We watched a few of them on our streaming services uh, but didn't want to pay for the ones that weren't. We used Cineplex points to rent uh, Minari, which I enjoyed the most. I do want to see that one. Yeah, that was very uh, good. I really liked it. Uh, I'm super. I was super happy that the uh, the actress who played the grandmother in the movie won uh, won for best supporting actress. She yeah. she totally deserved it. And I was not happy that it did not win for for um, best soundtrack though. I, the, I didn't think it was the best soundtrack of the year. I would give that to uh, Ludwig Göransson for his soundtrack for Tenant. Tenet, mm-hmm. which I thought was very clever. I was particularly liked when he had backwards passages during some of the the parts. But uh, I really, for of the of the nominated films, I really liked the soundtrack for Minari. I thought it was really good. Cool. Uh, and continuing uh, uh, Louise's letter, uh, it made it made me think of my grandparents who immigrated to Canada from Asia and, and Europe, who homesteaded, ran cafes, worked in hotels and mines and fish processing plants. We usually do an Oscar-themed dinner, but this year we scaled it back. Uh, my sister made uh, bulgogi. I'm not sure what how to say that correctly, and I apologize. In honor of Minari, and a deep dish pizza for the trial of the Chicago Seven. <laughs> it also made a seven-layer dip. That also worked. Yeah. Um, for dessert, I made a pie. No, I think isn't the joke that you make an eight-layer dip and one of them. Oh, that's ah. from that's from the flop post. I'm sorry, I'm stealing a joke oh, okay. from the flop post. But yeah, because one of the characters disappears probably through the film. So. Oh, very good. Uh, and for dessert, I made a pie while listening to last week's Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. Oh, what a good natural uh, time to plug your nice. other podcast. Oh, Louise has such good taste. She listens to the Listening Party uh, show that I do and with what, my what daughter Mary. What is the Listening Party? Well, it's a, it's a podcast that I do with my, with my daughter Mary. And Mary and I sit and talk about music together. I did a project a few years ago on the Sneaky Dragon podcast where I invited listeners to send in CDRs and I return those CDRs as mixtapes to them with a choice of music that I selected specifically for them. And so we've been going through those, listening to them and talking about them and, and other sort of fun things. Last last episode, we did a, a listener's comments show and we played some uh, of my, I had some top five selections, top five songs for Trains, Hair, 
Um, Train's hair. What was the other one? I think I would remember these things. I did a tack piano one. That's sort of like for um, Edragansky, because he asked for me to do one on that. So I did him a yeah, top five. Yeah, I remember it. People have to go and listen song. to it. I have yeah, to go back and listen to the, they, the final people one. People have to listen to it. Yeah, yeah find right. out where that last the top five was and let me know, everyone. Uh, back to the pie. It featured a <laughs> pastry Oscar, which I had to shove knee-deep into the butterscotch filling and meringue so it could stand up. <laughs> it looked like it was sinking fast, just like the ratings of this year's broadcast. hey <laughs> you know, They always say the Oscar's heavy, so there you go. <laughs> and the camera adds... You know, an Oscar. I don't know what it is. Uh, what I learned. What I learned from travel is I don't like to travel. Huh. I was never attracted to the giant petri dish and huge uh, money grab that is a cruise ship. Fair enough. And there's something about air travel that invokes a fight or flight response in me, so I avoid getting onto a jet whenever possible. <laughs> One small upside to the current travel ban is I don't have to feel guilty about not visiting relatives in faraway places. Yeah, it's going to be weird. Uh, my wife and I do a lot of uh, conventions, uh, especially around North America, but sometimes Europe. And and uh, just the idea of like getting on a plane again sounds really, really weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really feels strange. Like the idea. Oh. And do we have to take your shoes off? Are we? Have we passed that now that we're like through a second crisis that's unrelated to that one back in the day? Like, can we just focus on this new one and just go, well, no one tried shoe shit again. So can we just leave our shoes on? Is that possible? Come on. We done with that? Fine. If someone else pulls this thing, we'll do it again. But for now, no, no. Anyway, Edward Dragansky, uh, our friend, uh, writes, and he is not the last person writing today, too. Oh. So uh, it's always worth noting. Hey, Ian and Dave. <laughs> Hello, Ed. Uh, I'm not that big on traveling, only because it's an expense I can't uh, afford usually. If taking a cruise to Nassau uh, means you're in U.S. territory, then I've never physically left my country. Uh, but that's as far as I've traveled from here. Uh, Nassau is beautiful. I've, I've been to Freeport. I haven't been to Nassau, so I'm lying. Let me say NASA. I've been to Freeport. Sorry. Yeah, Na- uh, but, NASA's too funky for you. Yeah, that's right. My parents had their um, honeymoon there. Huh. Uh, that means nothing to you, but I'm just telling you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> if, if a trip changed me in any way, it was a, a road trip from Dallas to Las Vegas in January of 1990. It was with my cousin who had uh, stopped in uh, Dallas coming from Chicago and then going home to San Diego. I just graduated. We had nothing to do but look for a job, so I went with him. Uh, we got so deep into a snowstorm that we had to find the first place we could stay overnight. Originally, we were traveling on Interstate 40, only to find it was closed from Albuquerque, New Mexico, to Flagstaff, Arizona, uh, due to the snow. Man, every time I hear all these things, I get songs in my head. <laughs> I know, I was thinking that too. Like Arizona, all the way to Tacoma. <laughs> okay. And, of course, wrong term in uh, my cousin had the idea that we should travel south because it's warmer in the south. But what we didn't realize, we were heading right into the mountains. Mm. Uh, when I drove my cousin's car into a snowbank and a rescue truck had to tow us out, I knew I'd had enough. Uh, we found a nice uh, motel in an Indian town called Quemado, uh, uh, slept it off, and we woke up. It was sunny. The roads were cleared. Uh, we were surrounded by snow-covered mountains. From there, we headed to Las Vegas, where I lost $200 after having a pretty good run of beginner's luck, uh, since it was my first time there. What changed? Two things. 
I'll never travel uh, through New Mexico in January. And Las Vegas is for suckers, <laughs> even though I've been back twice since then. Uh, I've always been interested in watching the Oscars. Uh, the year uh, I don't watch will be the year something exciting happens and I end up missing it. I don't have cable or satellite television, so I had to watch the Oscar broadcast online this year. I'll admit I hadn't seen any of the films nominated, but I'm still curious to see who would win. In the case of this year's awards, I now have a list of films I'd like to watch. I know Francis McDormand is almost impossible to beat, but I really thought Glenn Close would get an Oscar after eight nominations. Uh, maybe <laughs> she should try shitting in a bucket. In all, in all, it was fine, and hopefully a step towards having a bigger gala event uh, like we're used to when we get to the 2022 Academy Awards. And I'm just tangenting here to say, and you've all got seven years to get your movie uh, done so you can be at the 100th one. So, hey, get, that's, a, that's a very reasonable goal. Reasonable goal. Get, get a writer right now. Um, I'm having trouble recalling whether I tuned in for that CBS Justice League pilot back in 1997, but I did buy a bootleg VHS of it at Dallas Comic Con in the next year or so. Oh, Lord, there's a lot of those bootlegs. <laughs> I have so many friends that love those schlocky, lo-fi kinds of shows because of the Mystery Science Theater 3000 aspect they all have. Uh, you were talking about the 1966 Batman, which I think existed as almost an art form during its time, but today falls right into the category of retro pop programming many of my friends like to watch. If I've taken away uh, anything other than the pop art charm of Batman, it was the show had an array of walk-ons and guest stars. Some episodes had guest villains, and then they had a wall Batman and Robin would be scaling with a cameo from Sammy Davis Jr. to Santa Claus. I think it's more fun to remember watching Batman than it is to actually watch it now, but at least it was never a bad thing. <laughs> I had an audience. Yeah, it's true. Kept Batman in the public eye, uh, you know, to the point where whatever, you know the Batman you like? That Batman wouldn't be around probably if it wasn't for the Batman you don't like. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. And now he's uh, branding people. So there you go. You got that guy. And uh, the Jokers won a, uh, an Oscar twice. What? How's that possible? It's true. It's true. Um, Crystal. Hey, Crystal's back. Hey. hey, Dave, Ian, and all the sneaky listeners out there. Hello, I enjoy Crystal. Uh, hello. Uh, I enjoy traveling, rarely, rarely anywhere fancy, but my husband and I love visiting historical sites, experiencing the awe atmosphere of local eating establishments and chatting with the people we meet. I can't honestly say that I've had an all-encompassing, life-changing experience, but traveling has taught me to enjoy the experience to, despite situations out of control like the weather. We made a big trip to Virginia to visit Meriwether uh, Lewis's birthplace, tour uh, Monticello, and explore Colonial Williamsburg, despite the Weather Channel's forecast predicting nice weather, it rained. <laughs> Actually, to say it rained downplays the trip. A tropical storm hit. Shops and sites were closing down and batting down the hatches. We reattempted the trip about five years later. It stormed like mad again. Get the hint. After getting drenched in Monticello, we took shelter and had a hot meal at a nearby old tavern. It was one of the best meals we ever had. Uh, look for the good in any experience and roll with the punches. Good plan. Uh, I now always carry an umbrella and mud boots on trips. They are at the top of my packing list for England. Very good thinking. And good, also, good watch out for badgers. Curious stick. <laughs> um, Sub-question. Again, I always tell the story. It's like someone went, you got to have a stick when there's a badger around. Why? Well, when he bites your leg, you snap the stick. And he thinks, ah, I broke his leg. Better go. <laughs> 
Yes. It makes, uh, it's, uh, I'm sure it's not true. And also probably gets rid of the one thing you could use to, to beat off a badger. Um, Sub-question. I didn't watch the Oscars uh, this year. Last year, I got caught up in the excitement of award season and hoped that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would win it all. Mark Lindsay was posting on his Facebook page about all the detail and attention that went into recreating Los Angeles 1969, sharing his own personal connections to the infamous house on Cielo Drive and the music scene at the time, and keeping his fan base informed on honors and awards the movie was earning. Needless to say, I was and still am sorely disappointed it didn't win Best Picture. It would be untrue to say I didn't watch this year uh, because I was still mad about last year when the reality is I rarely watch the Oscars. <laughs> Thanks for sharing the info about the Batman video that discusses the merits of the Adam uh, Adam West years. I am one of the few people out there who prefers that Batman. Oh, a lot of people do. Uh, I grew up watching syndicated episodes. It was campy. It was fun. Had a boatload of guest appearances. Even Paul Revere and the Raiders. I wish the monkeys could have made a cameo too. Uh, I'm picking up a theme from this. Uh... Yeah, Adam West seemed like such a, a super nice man in real life as he was always posting pictures on Facebook of his puttering around with uh, grandchildren in the garden or meals that he cooked in the kitchen. Bruce Wayne uh, was such a nice man on the 1960s Batman that I really don't care for the modern angry portrayals. To each his own. Uh, other uh, enjoyable and another enjoyable entertaining episode. Thank you. Your fun banter keeps me company when I'm driving. Have a great week. You too. Yes. And let me recommend uh, something, and hopefully I'm getting this right. Um, there was a reunion of Adam West and Burt Ward uh, in a special called Back to the Bat Cave uh, that was uh, a couple of years ago. And it was uh, them playing themselves, the actors. And, uh, and, but they would have flashbacks then to uh, the creation of uh, the Batman TV shows played by different actors. And I believe, if I remember correctly, they had some of the clips uh, from when Lyle Wagner uh, from Wonder Woman and the Carol Burnett show uh, was cast to play Batman. He was the original person cast to play Batman. Hmm. And you see him in a couple of scenes, and he's wearing uh, a different type of Batman outfit. The bat isn't surrounded by a yellow circle. Yeah. It's this giant, big uh, black bat, which is how Batman used to look in the, uh, in the comics. Uh, it's kind of it's interesting. Anyway, it's called Back to the Batcave. And uh, maybe you like it, maybe you won't. It's campy. And then uh, some facts. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> and so on and so forth. So that is our letters for uh, this week. Actually, we have one letter mm-hmm. that came to, came to a past show. Oh, I see. Quite a quite a while ago, or not? Okay. It actually was just a new new comment, but the show was from quite a while ago. It's episode three hundred and nineteen. All right. Do you mind reading that one? No, I will. I'll read it right now. This is from from Mike, and Mike wrote in to say, "said I knew my childhood was over when I figured out Mister Dressup was tracing when he drew." <laughs> Which you know what? I never could. I could never be certain that he did. I suspected it, but I was never certain. So. Yeah, there was another fella, oh, I just looked it up recently, and it was, uh, I think we might have even talked about it on the show, but there was another fella who would, like, uh, tell stories, and then he would draw at the same time, and yeah, he definitely had the tracing lines hmm. uh, that were there, and that's, you know, it's fine. It's, yeah. It actually, to me, uh, is uh, is more hopeful, because it means, oh, I, I could do that, maybe. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta do that. There you are, there you are. So, on, on today's show, I'm trying to think of, like, what a question would be for, for this week. You know, we talked about uh, parental disappointment. We talked about uh, side effects of uh, medication. 
Sure. Uh, we talked a bit about uh, childhoods. We talked about graduations uh, and, and, and what have you. Um, let me ask, uh, let me throw this out there. Um, are you doing today as a job what you originally intended to do as a job? So did you, when you were young, go, I want to be a, yeah, and then you ended up as a, yeah. And the general theme basically being, that's the basic question. It's like, are you doing today what you expected to be doing when you were younger? Mm -hmm. But my sort of sub question to that is, you know, uh, what changed things on that? You know, have you done multiple jobs that things change? Um, yeah, just to know a little bit more about you and also let us know, you know, a couple of digits from your social insurance number. <laughs> and maybe your mom's Sure. Very helpful. You know, let's get lots of details from your life that we can use uh, for later. No, but that, that would be my question. Okay. Do you have a question? Uh, Put you on the spot. How about, did you ever disappoint someone? Ah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sub-question that one, too. Sure. But not necessarily. You don't have to print this. Oh, no. Uh, but uh, my question is... Uh, were you right to feel that way, looking back on it? Mm, that's a good point. You know, there's a lot of times where I, I remember having jobs and, like, uh, thinking, oh, I really let down my boss. Mm -hmm. And now I look back and just go, like, what do I fucking care? <laughs> what do I care about that? The guy was yeah. running a cult in the, the, the room next to me. Yeah. What the hell? It was, uh, no, that was not worth any stress yeah. off my life. No, no, sir. Anyway, but that's uh, me. When I was uh, uh, when I was a very small kid, not very small, but I think I was in grade four. I started in grade three delivering flyers for a company called Peachy. Okay. Got a nickel a flyer. Okay. I would deliver a hundred flyers. I get a, I get five dollars. So I do that every week, and um, so eventually they decided they were going to give me a bigger area. I had three hundred houses to deliver to, which, by the way, for a kid in grade four, that's a lot of houses. And so there was another neighborhood kid, and it was decided that we would work together on this big area. So it was agreed upon. We'd all work together. And so that was fine. So remember when I said I had never did anything wrong? Well, here's a good example why, why I've done things wrong. Because I'm a liar. So I, um, me and this kid, we started delivering all these papers together. And we're, you know, being honest about it. We were delivering them all. And then one day he said to me, he said, you know what we should do? And I said, what? He said, we should dump all these flyers somewhere. And not deliver them. And I said, oh, no, I can never do it. I didn't say that. I just went, that's a good idea. <laughs> so it was decided we were going we were gonna to dump these flyers into this, I don't know what you call it. It was like a big cement part of a, of a you know, that would go into the ground for, for water to go through. Sure. And <clears throat> for whatever reason, it had been left in this vacant lot standing upright. And so we would just dump our bags of flyers down inside this cement tube. So we did this for a few weeks. We thought we were pretty clever. We're getting paid, not working. Pretty awesome. And let me just say, if I wasn't the kid wasn't there, I wouldn't have done this. Like he was kind of a bad boy, and I and it's my my fault. But I went along with him. Like I, you know, I had already been delivering for over a year, hundred flyers every week, and I, you know, it never occurred to me to do this. But this kid was, you know, a little different than me. So this was his idea, and I. I went along with it because I thought sure. that sounds easy. It sounds like easy money. And so then one day the, uh, the guy shows up. Oh my gosh. Every which way I'm a liar here. Just think about this story now. So this guy shows this guy, the guy who, <laughs> the guy who hired me shows up and he's mad because okay. this construction site, they decided to 
they're going to use this tube, the cement tube. And so they lift it up in the air, and out of this tube came pouring thousands of flyers. <laughs> thousands of flyers everywhere. And of course, yeah. they came back to the people, the company that delivers the flyers in the area. This is Peachy Flyers, and and then this guy is the local supervisor, and so he gets, you know, I'm talking to, and so he comes to my house. <laughs> okay. My parents are there, and you know, he was understandably upset. So I don't blame him, but instead of being reasonable about it, he was actually quite angry and harangued me for quite a while. Until my dad had had enough, and he, my, my dad basically talked, gave this guy a talking to, and like sent him away with a flea in his ear, and uh, and of course I never delivered flyers again. But and my dad, my mom and dad weren't happy. I got grounded for it, but it was nice of my dad to like, yeah, like stop this guy from like, you know, like I was crying because I felt I didn't feel bad. I felt bad that I got caught, but also I felt bad that I had done it, and but you know I didn't need to like a fifteen minute lecture from this this guy who was kind of like a guy you'd expect who like worked a job that was pretty exploitative of young kids <laughs> you know just kind of using like cheap labor of of infants to deliver these in some cases really heavy flyers mm-hmm. and uh but i did feel bad but i think about it now my my dad did uh get mad at this guy and stand up for me so that was very nice of him good i, I take it all back oh there you go you know what? I think we should just erase all of the. Yeah, I'm going to erase everything before the before this point, everyone. So if you're listening to the show and this is all you hear, you don't know what we talked about before, but this is why we erased it because of that. Story. Yeah, and legal and legally, if you if you have heard yeah. the rest of it, forget it. Yeah, we basically you legally forget. Basically, it. what we're doing is we're dumping the show into a big cement tube. Yeah, and nothing's ever gone wrong with people doing. It. No, what could be what could go wrong? They're never going to use it. They're just going to leave it sitting there upright forever. Exactly. People don't use tubes. No. What do they need tubes for? In the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good point. (laughs) And you know what? Yeah. I think we should wrap up the show. Yes. On that that happy note, everyone, let's all take a moral from that story. The moral is, Dave's a big fat liar. But you can trust (laughs) me. You can trust me when I tell you that if you want to contact us and answer our questions or whatever write a story of your own that may be unrelated to this but just sprung into your head feel free to go to the website sneakydragon.com and there you'll find this episode and underneath it you can leave your comments and we'd love to read them and we'd love to comment on them on this show mm-hmm. if you are shy or have something quite long to say or want to send a picture you can use our email address that's sneakyd at sneakydragon.com we're on Twitter at Sneaky underscore Dragon. We have a Facebook page called Sneaky Dragon. And we have a Patreon page called Sneaky Dragon. And those are ways that you can support the show or get in touch with us or do whatever you want. Oh, my gosh. We did forget one thing. We'll come around to that in a second. But All right. But let me, before you say that, I want to say, like, if you are too shy, uh, hush, hush, shy do I. You can also use our catchy email. Go ahead. <laughs> yes. And then also, if you go to the website, we have a contact us page there. And on that page... As Ian mentioned earlier in the show, you will find our mail address. You can mail Sneaky Dragon via me. So uh, so that all works very well. And Ian, before you get to your plugs, I'll let you go do plugs in a second. But I just remembered that we had a comment from a listener on our program. I mean, on our on our website. And so I'm just going to find that. Well, and okay. while I do that, I'm going to talk slowly. All right, I'm going to at this point say, I just went into our contact page and realized that my Twitter address is wrong on it. 
So that's good to know. I actually should fix that. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for telling yeah, me. Yeah, it really? says uh, it's uh, at Ian Boothie, which you know. It's oh, fine. it is. I've been, oh, shoot. I've been called. I've been called. I've been called worse. <laughs> it's fine. I'll use this time to plug our books. Uh, Dave and I do a book called a series called Sparks yeah. about two cats who dress up as a dog and. Uh, occasionally save the world. We've had two books in the series so far. Yeah. Uh, one is called Sparks. One is called Sparks Double Dog Dare. One is coming up called Sparks Future Perfect. That is coming out next year. And we do that with our friend uh, and third dragon, Nina Matsumoto. She is the artist. David is the colorist. I am the writer. And uh, it's a lot of fun. You can, uh, they're mostly for uh, kids. But hey, I think like anyone can read them. That's I think they're all ages think. myself. I think they're all ages, and so you can get those in any bookstore. Also, I do uh, a book called Extra Sisters. There's two volumes of that out, volume one and two. First one called uh, Damned If You Don't, and second one called Kick at the Darkness. So you can check those out. Also, I have, um, as I said, uh, a comic called Mannequin on the Moon. Yeah, we talked about that already. So I'll just mention, <laughs> if you go to my wife and I's, uh, at my wife and I's, uh, webpage hellkitty.com slash super there's a pay what you want uh, comic book that she and I did with our friend Moritat okay back to Dave alright so do you remember last episode not much no you and I were talking about do animals dream oh yes 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 and so we are very fortunate because uh, we have very smart people who listen to our show. One of those smart people. Yeah. yeah, with degrees. They went to college. They went to they finished college. I went to college. I went to university, but I, I Yeah, I went to I college. stumbled at the finish line. Yeah, I, me too. I stumbled somewhere not even near the finish line. It was the finish line was miles away yet and I still stumbled. But Nettie Tebow wrote in, she's a veterinarian. She wrote in to say she says, I've been busy earning my Sneaky Dragon podcast degree, but somehow I haven't written in a while, but I am happy to share what I can about my favorite furry friends. Do animals dream? Mm -hmm. As a feline-only veterinarian of 20 years and lifelong cat caretaker, I believe that, subjectively at least, I have seen my own cats dream many times. When kitties' legs, whiskers, and jaws move while sleeping, as well as occasional vocalizations and an overall pattern of restlessness, it certainly looks like dreaming, and that's how I would describe it anecdotally. In humans, EEG patterns and patient-slash-subject reports link dreaming with paradoxical sleep, or REM sleep. So since we know animals have REM sleep, or REM sleep, is this called REM sleep? I don't really know. Dreaming probably happens in animals as well. When I look at my online veterinary group of primary veterans like me and veterinary veterinary specialists, I see some vet neurologists refer to these behaviors as dreaming, so I don't take that too lightly. I found a journal abstract, I'm sorry, I found a journal article abstract of a study from Japan that proposed that cats do dream sometimes while sleeping, and there has been lots of research done on cats and dogs in general related to dreamlike behavior. And then there's my old vet school classmate who, talk about your superpowers, is a zoo vet, microbiologist, and vet school professor. And he says that iguanas and tortoises dream. So there you go. So I would have to say on some level, yes, at least many animals do dream. And I believe I've seen it in my own adorable cats. And then someone, who it wasn't me, responded, Ian's right and Dave's wrong. Got it. Good to hear from you again. Oh, that's good. So Nettie drew a face that was laughing so hard it was crying and then said, Excellent. said, no one's keeping score. I think someone is keeping score, Nettie. No one's keeping score. And besides, 
Different ideas. I literally have a scorecard in front of me right now. <laughs> to be fair, it's for the Nancy game, but I hand keys. <laughs> Different ideas make for interesting discussion, which is why we listen to Sneaky Dragon. And then she adds, Re- uh, Re-travel that changed your life. We've spent a couple of months traipsing around India that were truly an adventure. The people were so kind and warm, and the things we saw were amazing. And don't get me started about the food. So incredible! The trip really opened my eyes and helped me appreciate the important things, which are few and precious. So thank you very much for those comments, Nettie. And I, too, looked up some articles about about animals dreaming. And although I'm not entirely as yet convinced that any one uh, study has proven it totally, because, of course, we can't ask an animal <laughs> if it's dreaming... Um, they do make the point always, it's, um, they always say, it depends how you define dreaming. So it's, Mm. because we tend, because what we do is we make story connections when we wake up out of what we dreamt. So even if our dream is a series of random occurrences that make no sense as we're experiencing them, when we wake up, we will, our minds can't help but to link it together in a way that makes it a story. And has some coherence, so we like drop a lot of the more incoherent elements, and we remember like the kind of main, what feels like a main storyline, which I thought was an interesting point in the art in, in one of the articles I was reading. Hmm. But I don't know if I don't know if animals have that capacity to to parse out their experiences in that way, <clears throat> but they they definitely do experience um, like REM sleep and in their um, the um, hippocampus, which is where we experience that and also where memory resides there are signs that when they're sleeping they are their memory is working okay and so and they've learned that like with rats and rat studies and stuff like that 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 after they sleep they can perform tasks better so they're basically doing what we do in sleep which is to to um sort of like edit our experiences and and like um sort of like file them into our brain in some way that makes makes us more efficient when we are awake okay so it's all it's all rather fascinating so yeah i mean i i I would in reading about it i would i would think that you know there's a there's a certain amount of dreamlike behavior there there's also like um that atonia you know that um this that's the state when you're sleeping where your body like when we sleep we don't usually act out our dreams that much right and that's atonia like it makes our muscles relax so that we're not performing our dreams, like that comedian Mike Birbiglia lacks that capacity. So he, when he's dreaming, he'll he has had like dangerous things happen, where he's like jumped out of a window of a of a right. hotel, fortunately the second story, um, just things like that, because he's acting on his dreams because he lacks the he lacks the uh, his body can't produce, I guess the necess- the that effect of Atonia where you you know you just relax and so you're not you know spending your whole time like of course we'd be like completely. Um, insupportable in bed with to our partners if we were spent the whole time like thrashing around like maniacs <laughs> acting on our dreams and even more dangerous like getting up and running around and stuff like that so uh, yeah when you're dreaming so it's interesting that animals seem to lack that kind of uh, a to degree that um, ability to to resist the the acting out of, of things but anyway I, yeah I, it's all it's kind of kind of fascinating what I yeah something I, I find interesting is like mentioning that tortoises dream. Mm. Because, you know, tortoises can live to be, like, the, one of the oldest tortoises was, like, 185. Yeah, yeah. Thinking, like, you got 185 years worth of dreams in your noodle. <laughs> like, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. 
but, having have dreams of you know time times you can't even imagine. Yeah, like that's 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 a that's a heck of a thing. Yeah, I mean they're they're I mean animals' dreams depending how intelligent they are, their dreams are going to be pretty basic. I don't know, 187. You know, I mean, <laughs> well, you're, you know, you're gonna you're gonna like yeah. you know maybe maybe smart up a bit maybe. You know, you're having a dream about 1836. Like that's <laughs> that's something. But right? that, they don't. I mean, they're gonna have a dream about 1836, but they don't know what's 1836. Like there's well, no, that's they, they, it's they meaningless it. to them. They're not. They're not gonna go like, oh, David Copperfield, what a great book. Right, but you know what they're gonna do is like, you know, one of them's walking by the Alamo. <laughs> okay. And it's like, what's that about? And then he's gonna have a dream about it. And then like nowadays, he's having a wake. You know, oh. Uh, what was that? He doesn't know it's the Alamo. But he just remembers, like, he's, you know, what yeah, he remembers, yeah. sure. the Alamo. Well, everyone remembers the Alamo. Well, but he actually does, because he was around. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, we should wrap the show. <laughs> All right, everyone. So, Ian and I. AstraZeneca. We, we don't lord it over you, but we are now immune to COVID and cannot be destroyed. Yeah, that's how so it works. We're going to go on a rampage through a city, knocking buildings over and yeah. uh, generally causing mayhem. And uh, if any of you plot. have been vaccinated, plot, you are welcome to way. join us. What's yeah, that, sorry. That is the plot of the video game Rampage, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what, they take AstraZeneca and go on a rampage? They take, a, they take an injection. Oh, okay. Uh, they take an injection and then turn into like a King Kong-type monster, a Godzilla monster, and a giant werewolf monster. And yeah, they, they destroy the city. That's the plot of the Rampage video game. That is it. Huh. You just named it. That's the plot of it. Well, I did, yeah. that. I did that accidentally. That just shows you that um, all minds think alike. Yep. That's all minds think alike. That's the same. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> I just slightly, I slightly paraphrased E's version of it, which is two minds think alike. That's so, sure. Everyone, take care. We love you. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Stay well. Stay healthy. Sauce for the goose is good for the gander, or whatever they say. Yeah, that's yeah. It feels weird that the goose would want the sauce. Like, is that is the sauce to eat the goose, or is the sauce something a goose wants? I don't really know. Maybe the goose is on the sauce. Yeah, it feels like. I guess you could. Yeah. Do you eat ganders? I don't know. Or do you just eat geese? <laughs> Aren't they the same? I don't know. I've never had someone feed me a gander before. Hmm. Have you been fed in gander? Oh, that's a good point. Well, okay. Asked and answered. <laughs> Was that a good point? Yep. Or just mere, mere jargon. <laughs> mere wordplay. <laughs>